Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. Thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Slow, mate. Take it easy. Two heels and a face wrestling podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two heelsandaface.com Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. And most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes. No holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts.
What's going on, everybody? Mike Freeland here with The Butt from Canada. This is the Front Row Material brand. We're excited that you have chosen to listen to our podcast. Remember, our podcast is available anywhere fine podcasts are made available. Definitely go ahead and leave us a review. We'd appreciate that as well. And also, our DMs are always open as well. So let us know where you're listening from. Wherever you may be in the world, we'd love to get some feedback from you as well. His name is Christopher Butt. What's going on, brother? Uh, This is it, Mike. Uh, Another day. Here hanging out with you on a Tuesday night, trying to live life and, and not be a scumbag. That's right. Don't be a scumbag. Do, don't do that. If there's one thing in life you shouldn't do, is be a scumbag. So many things in wrestling uh, is happening right now, so we got a full lineup for you right now. What's happening in WWE? They uh, revealed two new championship belts recently. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to be talking about Impact Wrestling, which I had mentioned before on a tweet uh, a few days ago, I was going to be kind of working a little bit more Impact Wrestling into the conversation. We got some things to talk about that's going to be at Against All Odds, which is going to be happening kind of in my backyard, Columbus, Ohio. We're going to be talking about those matches as well. Uh, a very interesting situation with Lacey Evans and Sergeant Slaughter's daughter. We're going to talk about that as well. CM Punk, as we know, is coming back to AEW, but what are the plans for Punk right now? There is rumor that Kenta may be interested in having a match. We'll talk about that as well. We're also going to be talking about there's a new GCW champion, and I know that you're a big fan of GCW, aren't you, uh, Butster? Yeah. GCW, GCW. Yeah, I'm all about GCW, yeah. That is... That is the promotion uh, probably known for the most with uh, the the pizza cutter slicer man, Nick uh, Gage. Nick Gage and Joey Nutella. Yes, that's right. And I don't know anybody else. Kurt, well, there's a brand new. Kurt Ova was there for a week. He was. He was there for a cup of coffee. Um, they have a new world heavyweight champion. That's Blake Christensen. We're going to talk about that as well. All that, and I'm sure we're going to run into some other topics such as Matt Hardy. Uh, Butster's going to talk about that as well. But um, Butster, non-wrestling related. I don't know if the news has made it to Canada yet. I don't know if they still have the horses pulling the buggies, delivering the letters into your mailboxes. But did you hear the big news? It is official. There has been a leak inside uh, the United States government, specifically in a department that was known as ATIP. Now, they continue to change the name of the program, but for the sake of this conversation, ATIP is or was known as a division with inside. Uh, it was a special project to look into potential extraterrestrials, and it has been determined that there are. Uh, a leak came outside of the government. There are 12 crafts that are in the possession of the United States government. Uh, six of them are wrecked to the point where they cannot rebuild them, but there are six that are functional as well. Um, I'm very excited about this for the sake of being a science guy. Love it when something breaks with science. What's your thoughts on this? I think your tinfoil hat's a little snug, Michael. You think it's a bunch of fooey, don't you? It is fooey. You think 100%. there's okay, so you think there are no such thing as aliens? Nope, not a chance. Zero. Is there a better chance of finding aliens, or is there a better chance of Hulk Hogan ever appearing on AEW programming? Better chance of finding Nemo than finding <laughs> aliens. 
It's, it's, it's not real, Mike. I'm it's sorry. Real. I, I know you're a science real. guy, and I know you like all that stuff. Oh, I love it. And kudos to you. We all got to believe in, in fairy tales every once in a while, and that's the one that you choose. So what happens if you if it was if it was they came on the news and they showed all this and it was the news it wasn't some crackpot website or whatever like that what would you say I'd probably still call bullshit even if it was on the like the world news and they're reporting it and they have the crafts and they have people who are coming out and talking about it like the government finally reveals something the United States government you still would not be on board no I what no, I, don't, I don't believe I'm not a believer. What would it take? Uh, I don't know, Mike. It's, it's just it's so far-fetched to me. If, okay, what if, happens if, if it was... If this literally... really was... Okay, I'll, I'll play along with you. I'll okay. bite. Say okay. this is a real thing. Yes. Why has nothing ever been seen or shown or... Well, that has been discussed in many different circles, and the reason why was because there was never what they would consider an imminent threat. Um, there was It was never a hostile situation. However, these crafts have been found numerous times, and different government agencies have kept it quiet because they were concerned about how, and I can only speak for about the American public, how the American public would handle it. And most recently, the reason why they did not say anything over the last couple of years is because they said, look at the coronavirus, look at how people couldn't handle their minds with that. Do you really think we should talk about this and so okay just indulge me here what happens if it's legit is that the biggest news story in the history of news be honest the biggest news story probably yeah i mean it's going to be right up there with uh landing on the moon and, and exploring uranus and stuff like that well first of all exploring my anus is something that no man has ever done before and nor ever will including a doctor you told me about that that time in college, or are we not supposed to talk about that? We're editing that. Okay, okay. Edit this. Edit right here. It cut that out. Why do you got to go there? Sorry. Outside of the second coming of Jesus, right? Coming back down to judge the living and the dead. Okay. That would be the only story, in my opinion, that would trump this story. There are others out there. It it'd be it would be big. It'd be huge. I'll wait and see. So even if the prime minister, are you a big fan of your prime minister? He's, he's all right. Didn't you say at one point in time his dad was like a big deal? His dad was a prime minister. Yeah, his dad was a prime minister. Okay. And they, they claim his biological dad was Fidel Castro. The the father or, or this guy? Justin Trudeau. The rumor that his biological father is, is Fidel Castro. Okay, that's what some of the wackadoodles say, that's the wackadoodles. Wow. That's some fooey. That's some fooey right there, my that friend. That is fooey. And those people can fill their boots. They can fill their boots. Look at you trying to turn all Canadian. That's all right. Hey. Eh? I'm <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, my gosh. All right. So you're going to get on board with this at some point in time. You're going to have to accept it if, it if it becomes a thing. If a legitimate news whatever channel comes out. Yes. Now, I'm not saying if Fox News comes out, just for an example, so don't get all wound up, and they say it's true, and CNN comes out and says it's not, because apparently they don't get along. They don't and, like each other, no. That I'm not, no, I'm not getting into it. Now, if it comes out like CNN, BBC, CBC, like various legit, not just two feud and one's just to piss each other off, and... Like, let's see a video, like a legit video, not some 
Jagoff with his cell phone with his hidden, you know, spy camera foolishness, but like a legit press conference. Look, these are the the spaceship whatever, and this is the such and such. And when this one crashed, we found four little green men. And See, why do they got to be green? Why they got to be green? Because this, why not? We're, we're going we're gonna to play that. Are you being that, racist towards the aliens now? Yes, Michael. That's They're all style. green, huh? That's my style. I'm that's all right. about that, yes. Because that's just the way it works. Aliens have to be green. Didn't you ever watch Star something or another? No, I never watched any of that stuff. That was all fooey to me. Well, yeah. And so is this. What is what's fooey? This nonsense you're going on that they found extraterrestrials. That's fine. Hey, you know what? Hey, listen. Listen. Let's put another t-shirt on the line here, pal. If this is legit, if this is legit, or you know what? Take one off of my tab. I'll wipe your tab clean. Oh, I I'll bet wipe you your tab clean and send like you one it. of your choice. Oh, I like this. this is, now, right. what's now? What is the does this in the next twenty five years? No, I'm saying within the, by the end of the summer. Okay, yep. I'll wipe your tab clean. Whatever shirt you want, pro wrestling tees, shop AEW, WWE, whatever. Call me up. All right. Tell me what you want. Order. I'll get a ship right to you. That's fine. By the way, your cam. Uh, never mind. I'm not. Gonna, I'm going to save that. Um, let's go ahead. And let's, no, no. I, it, it was. It was something that I'm going to surprise you with. Okay. But I'll surprise it with you a little bit later. Let's kind of get into the things going on in the world of wrestling right now. So let's talk about the Sergeant Slaughter deal. So Lacey Evans is back in WWE. She came out in a Marines outfit where she had. There's a side by side picture. Of her and Sergeant Slaughter, and it is pretty spot on identical. Now, evidently, I guess Sergeant Slaughter's daughter was watching and saw this, and she went off on a rant on Twitter saying that this is despicable, this is wrong. How does Lacey have the, the, the gall to do something like this? My father's a legend, he's a Hall of Famer. Etc. 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 Now, before I pose the question to you, before we get into our first discussion here, let's lay a few things out. First of all, Robert Remus, he goes by Bob, who played the character of Sergeant Slaughter, who that then led to the GI Joe series. Right? Great, great legend. Great legend in the world of wrestling. He portrayed someone who was in the Marine Corps. However, he never was in the Marines. Lacey Evans was in the Marines. In fact, she got into the Marines at the age of 19, and she served five years in the United States Marine Corps. So, at the end of the day, Butster, who rightfully has claim to the gimmick? Slaughter did it first. However, Lacey Evans really did it. Like, legit. Yep. Not, a, not, a, not a gimmick. Not a shtick, she, right. She did it. She was yeah. a Marine. Yes. Ah, that's a tough one. Probably Slaughter. He did it first. Yeah, that's that's who I'd go with. I'd go with Slaughter did it first. He's the original one. Well, I'm sure there's been other ones. I mean, um, Craig Pittman did it as well. Craig Pittman did it as well. Good, right. good call it's, on it's that one. It's been done. It has it's, been done. It's not like just Slaughter's the only one ever do it. But that wasn't in WWE. It's been done. She's not. I don't think it's a, a 100% ripoff of Sergeant Slaughter. And it's 
I doubt she came up the gimmick herself. You know, I mean, generally gimmicks in WWE, we all know, are, are given to them, right? So most likely Bruce Pritchard has hand in there somewhere, I would well, think, or Vinnie Mac, or, you know, something like that. And so, Saunders' daughter needs to shut up. Stay out of it. Nothing to do with you. She's it not, really doesn't. She's not hurting uh, Slaughter's uh, reputation legacy. or his legacy or like that. Just stop. Don't stick your nose where it doesn't belong. You're making a mountain out of a moral. Why can't it just be okay? She's doing the same thing Slaughter did. Why is she doing that? To pay homage to him. Maybe Why it can't is. We looked at it something positive for a change. Do it. This Instead is true. Of people pissing and moaning and bitching and whining and being assholes. What? Let's look at man, the positive. butt is fired up tonight. Well, no, but this is a, this is another prime example of people just being dickheads. I'm upset to be upset. Look, it's not that she's come out and saying, "No, I'm a real marine." Sergeant Slaughter was this. Sergeant Slaughter was that. Saying anything bad and disparaging about him? No. So somebody else is using a marine gimmick. It's not like Sergeant Slaughter owns marine gimmick and nobody else can ever say anything, can ever do anything, or nothing else. It's just nonsense. Okay. So this is what, okay, this is originally what Sergeant Slaughter, so originally I guess Sergeant Slaughter was approached to be a part of this storyline and be a part of the gimmick with Lacey Evans. So this is coming from Andrew Ravens. On Sunday, there was a back and forth between WWE Hall of Famer Sergeant Slaughter's daughter and WWE superstar Lacey Evans. Now, the exchange was due to her new drill sergeant ring attire that Evans wears during her entrance on Friday Night SmackDown. Here is how things all started. Um, I don't know who said it first, but here's Slaughter. This is not the daughter. This is Slaughter. Look out, Lacey Evans. You've got at underscore SGT daughter pissed. She's one tough MF-er. I know Jarhead. I trained her. And like me, she takes no prisoners. There's only two ways out of camp slaughter on your feet or in a ditty bag An itty bitty ditty bag. Yo, Joe Lacey Evans comes back with between your hips and her wrestling abilities. The chances of anyone in your bloodline being able to put me in a bag zero. When you birth someone, you can carry your legacy or take me out. Call me until then. Salute me like the real Marine I am. Wow. Well, Lacey Evans didn't do nothing wrong. No, and I don't I, think I, Sergeant Slaughter was necessarily doing it as a, he's upset about it because he understands the business. He well, understands how it all goes. Here's something that was in addition to this, adding to this whole storyline. Lacey Evans and Sergeant Slaughter story. Back in January, WWE asked Sergeant Slaughter to come on to SmackDown and do vignettes with uh, with her and teaching her how to put on the camel clutch so he would be passing it down to her, kind of keeping it going. Okay. Slaughter adamantly denied any the involvement. Camel or clutch or the cobra clutch? Sorry, cobra clutch. Cobra clutch, my bad. I was I was about to humble myself. Um, yeah, so I guess WWE wanted to do something, and why, why would Slaughter turn something like that down? Like, has he got other things going on right now? Can he physically do it anymore? I, I mean, if he's going to do vignettes, and they can do multiple takes. Is that what the daughter is worried about? That um, Lee is going to steal Sergeant's gimmick, and he's not going to get any of 
any more autograph sessions. And when he kicks off, is if her inheritance isn't going to be as big, but what's she all bent out of shape about? I don't know if it's that deep. I, I just it's just nonsense. I mean, it is it is kind of crazy when you think about it. And it's not like this is a work or anything because neither career is going to benefit from it. Right. It's just foolishness. I guess if I was somebody who was a big time star and now I'm retired and I had the chance to maybe pass it down, I don't know. I probably would. I'd probably go along and pass the torch. Here's what here's what Sergeant Slaughter's daughter tweeted. And this is in quotes. No, this is not okay at WWE. Who the F does at Lacey Evans think she is? There's only one Sergeant Slaughter and only one Slaughter daughter. And she's just a poser. That's well, the story. I, well, is Lacey Evans coming out saying she's Slaughter's daughter? No, she's just using the same gimmick. It's to stop. Give up the nonsense. Let's is this fooey? This is 100% fooey. This is fooey, then. Just, just this is nonsense. Well, well, there's no point to it. It's just yeah. nonsense. It's just it's just being upset for the sake of being upset. Yeah. She wants a participation trophy. Don't they all? Um, let's go ahead and let's turn our conversation to another very interesting uh, piece of news that came out. So... Uh, Mr. Mike Chioda, as many know, he was with the WWE for 35 years, one of the longest-running employees of WWE. Um, so former referee Mike Chioda was a guest on the 10 Count podcast, and he discussed a bunch of different topics, including his time with WWE. Now, during the podcast, Chioda revealed he was making 240000 per year prior to his release from the company. Here is a quote from Mike Kyoto on his salary. I was making really good money. I'll tell you straight out. I was making $240,000 a year. I'd been at the company for 35 years. Now, this is how he found out he was released. I was out on surgery. I was out hurt. I was just like, what's going on? People like Tony Chimmel. I remember Mark Carano. And I said, what's going on? I'm being released? You've got to be kidding me. I know how bad he felt when he had to say that to me. Um, so it looks like he was uh, not even around when he got his walking papers, which is sad. I mean, you would think somebody with the company for that many years, you would at least wait till somebody came back before you, you let him go. But let me ask you this question. Do you think 240 large is a good salary for a ref? Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of money. I take that salary in a heartbeat. Yeah, but once again, you got to think about this. Is he taking care of his own hotel and rental car? Because I do believe WWE pays for trans, but they don't pay for hotels and rental cars. Okay, so well, so he's probably going to get a hotel at a day's in somewhere for 70 or 80 bucks a night. Yeah. So that's not bad. You know, they have catering, so they're feeding him a fair bit. Yeah, he's going to have to get some. Right. I would assume he's going to split on a on a rental car with two or three or four people. Uh, two or four is not a bad gig, Mike. I take that. I think that's all right. And I'm sure they get bonuses too. Like yeah, if, if they're wrestling at, reviews or, or whatever. Yeah. There's there's going to be stuff like that if they're ref in the main event at Mania. Yeah, I don't know for sure. This is a pure assumption, but I'd imagine they get a couple bucks added on for this and added on for that. I don't think it's a bad deal. What do you say? 
I think it's okay. I think it's okay money. Um, once again, I don't know what the going rate is for referees. I don't know if, you know, I'd like to know what Earl Hebner was making, you know, before, um, you know, he departed from WWE. I'd like to know in a ballpark. I mean, that's got to be the upper echelon of pay, right? I don't see anybody else making more than that. And Jimmy Corderas, he lives in Toronto. Yes. And he was with WWE for quite a while as well. A very long time. He, he did well for himself. And he's living pretty good right now. Like you see videos he posts from his house. He's got quite the house. You know, I mean, he, I think he's done well for himself. I mean, if he's making 240 American, I'll say, what about that be Canadian? That'd be 300 Canadian. That's not bad money. How many people do you know are making 300K a year or 240K I, a year? I, I don't. I don't. Right. People making that are few and far between, and you just muted yourself just so you know. Uh, technical difficulties, and it's not the butt's fault this time. Yeah, what are you talking about? It's muted myself. I didn't touch any button over here. Well, it came up as mute on the screen. You know who was mute? whoever sounded. Helen Keller. Was she? I thought she was. No, she's hearing impaired. I thought she was a mute. Do you still call people a mute? Well, what, what, what else Instead are you going to call them? I don't know, Mike. Everything's bad. Everything is bad. Poor Helen Poor Keller. Helen. Let's see here. Let's look her up. I'm working on it. As you're working on that, I'm going to bring up our, our next topic we're going to talk about here. That's Blake Christensen. Uh, Blake Christensen is a pro wrestler. Uh, some of you guys may or may not be super familiar with him, but he is um, he's worked in AEW. He's worked with Ring of Honor as well. Uh, he spent a little bit of time in WWE, or he was named as Trey Baxter. He's also wrestled in New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Now he's currently... Uh, with GCW, where he beat Masa Slamovich for the GCW World Heavyweight Championship this past weekend at one of their big shows. Um, it was called Cage of Survival 2. So congratulations to Blake Christensen. He is now a world champion in GCW. Very happy for him. All right, not to smush him between that and Helen Keller, but what do you got? Okay, so... Before she was, or her first words, before the age of one, blah, 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 she became deaf, blind, and mute in 19 months after an illness that the doctors today think may have been meningitis or scarlet fever. Oh, she got However, the head trick. She did. But then she taught herself, she learned how to speak and spent much of her time giving live speeches and lectures on aspects of her life. How do you learn how to speak if you're a mute? <laughs> that's a great that's a great damn question have you ever youtubed helen keller no i'm gonna see if i can find helen keller on here and hear what she has to say I'm pretty sure she wasn't around when youtube was no she but a lot of things weren't around when youtube let's see here helen keller's speech oh here you go how helen keller learned to talk well fill us in as i'm pulling up one of her speeches well it's a youtube video she has her own youtube channel see what are you what are you talking about was youtube around all right so here's what i'm gonna do here's a three minute clip you ready we're gonna so, listen to good old helen keller for all our years of effort helen has never learned to speak clearly this isn't strange but since she was a baby she's not heard a word spoken nor seen lips but let helen with Polly's help tell you it is not blind lips or a deaf lips 
Did you mute yourself during all that? Nope. So that was Helen Keller speaking, and I'm not really quite sure if any of you guys have. She gave lectures. Apparently, I, that was a three. The internet, it's on the internet. It's got to be true. She gave lectures. That's what it says. I want you to do some research while we're doing the show tonight. I want you to find out where were these lectures and how much alcohol had to be consumed to be able to get through one of them. I'm not making fun, but I'm just saying, like, if she speaks right, and then someone has to repeat every single thing she said. How? No, I'm not booking her. I'm not booking her for a, an event. She ain't gonna MC my next party. She I'm was also she was also the co-founder of the American Civil Liberties Union (ACLU). I mean, the woman has done a lot of great things in her life, and I'm happy for her. Um, I just uh, how did we even get on this conversation? I don't know how. I don't know. We were talking about Blake Christensen. Congratulations, he's a new GCW World Champion, and now and you uh, went to Helen Keller from him. I have no idea. I don't know how did we get on Helen Keller. I wonder about you sometimes. I wonder myself. Um, very interesting. So Blake Christensen is the brand new GCW. Um, obviously we found out Mike Kyoto is making two hundred forty thousand dollars a year. Let's uh, let's go to one of your news stories, Buster. What do you got? All right, so a couple of them. Uh, Will Osprey. We know him and Kenny Omega are going to be at Forbidden Door. Going to have their match. Well, according to Will Osprey, he can't stay in Canada. Jericho is an asshole. Bit hurt. Moans and bitches all the time and there was somebody else he called out dom Callis is an asshole el phantasmo is an asshole basically if you're a canadian you're an asshole well will osprey maybe you should go get yourself a spoon so you can eat my ass we're not assholes well i have my moments but for the most part we're half decent people just for the record obviously this is a work it's still kind of hurtful right he's calling it, 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 somebody else a dickhead um well, who was he calling a dickhead? Oh, he's talking about Kenny Omega. You little fucking dickhead. I have a point to prove. I don't care if your heart is broken and your family is awful. Boo fucking who. Blah, blah, blah. I think he needs a hug. He seems grumpy. Maybe he needs a Snickers. He's not quite acting himself, is he? No. He's not good. Did, weren't you the one who told me the other day, wasn't there a Will Ospreay video where he was walking his dog and he was just going off on... Oh, that wasn't me that told you that, but I want to know about it now. Might have been the rip. What the hell are you doing? Sitting down, talking to you. So, Will Ospreay, you kind of like stole my thunder going into uh, Forbidden Door. I'm sorry. That's fine. But Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega are going to be going back at it for the IWGP United States Championship at Forbidden Door, which will be happening this upcoming June uh, from In Chicago. Trump. No, Toronto. Toronto. That's right. Toronto. Toronto. Um, they Another match that just got announced will be Brian Danielson versus... Okada? The Rainmaker. Okada. Okada, yeah. So Okada is going to be going against Brian Danielson. So there's two matches so far that are announced for that. I think that's going to be huge. Um, I think it's going to be... I mean, the first two matches being announced right now are going to be great. I'm really curious to see what other matches are going to come out and fill out the rest of that card, but... Those first two, would you would you agree? Those are some heavy hitters. Those are going to be great matches. Both of them are going to be amazing. Osprey and Omega 
didn't they win match of the year a couple years back? I at believe the Tokyo so. Dome show or something. Oh, oh hey, look at this. I try. As much as you think I'm always just messing around, I can't remember. This is Yamaha Super Tokyo Dome Arena. Oh, see, not now, now, now you're being what the Will Ospreay says. I don't know. He's a bad Canadian. Kawasaki Stadium. No, but I mean, no, all serious. They had an amazing match at the Tokyo Dome. I forget what year it was. But it won match of the year. They're both very talented wrestlers. I mean, yeah. How can they not have a put off a good match? That'd be, I mean, yes, it can happen. But you know, if you were if you were gonna bet on it, you can expect a phenomenal match, right? And uh, Okada, I, I don't know a hell of a lot about him. I know a little bit about him. He's amazing. Brian Danielson is well. We know what he's capable of. Right? Man alive! If that's the first two matches you're announcing, he. I can't see it going down from there. You already got a banger of a card. No, you if do. your other four matches or five matches you put on it are half decent, they don't need to be good, but half decent, you got a phenomenal card. I would agree. Because you know there's going to be a tag match in there somewhere. It has to be a tag match. There there's is. going to be a women's match. Yep. Right? That's that's a given. You're going to have John Moxley in there with somebody in a bloodbath. Well, I wonder if they're going to do a rematch with um, he, well, obviously Brian Danielson won't be available, but uh, Yuta, Claudio Castagnoli, and John Moxley, again, having a another three-way dance um, coming up at Forbidden Door. I think that would be interesting as well. I think that would be really good. Masato Tanaka is wrestling in Toronto with the host state. Him and Mox can have a shit-kicking contest. They could have a slobber knocker, right? Absolutely. He's he's wrestling uh, for a Greek town. Channing Decking. Yes. Decker Channing. Whatever. Something like that. Yeah. He puts off a lot of good shows. He does. I will agree. I'll agree 100%. Did you, moving on to something else here, I know we're kind of jumping around here. Did you hear about uh, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase? Have you heard about him? Uh, short-term memory problems? Yes, he does. From uh, head trauma? Yes. Yes. Uh, it's good. sad. It's sad that all these things we're, we're starting to notice are kind of coming to a head. Like with these wrestlers, the older they get. And it's it's difficult to see your childhood start to go away. Mm-hmm. And, man. We're going to see more of it, though. Oh, I know. I mean, I'm not. If you think what wrestling was like in the 90s, early 2000s, when it was just a vicious, violent chair shots to the head right. unprotected that's got to come back and haunt you that's just yeah, the no. way it is i agree right it's like boxers right with the pugilistic dementia punch drunk however you want to call it from wrestle injuries wrestle zone and msn are reporting the million dollar man teddy biasi uh, has been reportedly dealing with unfortunate health issues on the latest episode of Everybody's got a pod. WWE Hall of Famer Ted DiBiase revealed he's been recently diagnosed with severe brain trauma, which is affecting his short-term memory. Uh, The 69-year-old Hall of Famer is best known for his million-dollar man gimmick. He was in full-time in wrestling for 30 years. He actually broke into the business in 1974, but is once again experiencing some long-term health issues. DiBiase did go on to say, I do not have Alzheimer's. I do not have dementia. But I am dealing with what they call severe brain trauma, which does affect things that have happened recently in my life, as opposed to things that have happened 30 or 40 years ago. Sad. Very, very sad. But uh, our thoughts are are with uh, Ted 
And, um, you know, the one thing I, the, the only thing I can hold on to is the fact that as science gets better, medicine gets better, we'll hopefully start to be able to find at least treatments. You know, obviously nothing's going to cure something, but at least treatments to help people uh, a little bit longer in life to keep their memories. Absolutely. I'm with you there, Mike. Let's go, let's go into a little bit of, uh, of impact wrestling here because impact wrestling and I've been watching it. So I DVR a ton nowadays just for the simple fact that i just don't have time to watch everything and, and you mentioned this as well it's just like you know how much time is there but something that i think is going to be great is against all odds which is going to be happening uh june the 9th from columbus ohio so i want to go over some of these matches and just kind of get some of your takes so for the world tag team championship a b c they're the champions they're going to be going uh up against the good hands now i don't know if you're super familiar with the good hands they are more of a brawling brute type of tag team where chris bay and um ace austin are a lot more technical a lot more savvy they're a lot more high flyers both have spent time in japan as well I think it's a good clash of styles, but I definitely think that when it comes to tag team wrestling in Impact Wrestling, when you look at their landscape, Ace Austin and Chris Bay are right, right there at the top. But Impact is really starting to build their tag team roster where it's going to be a really deep roster. And I think WWE and AEW need to really keep an eye on what they're doing because they're doing a great job. Um, any thoughts as far as any of these guys? Are you familiar with any of these teams? Um, ABC a little bit. Uh, the, the good hands, no. I mean, if they're a brawling team, that's my kind of team. A little, little smash mouth wrestling type of thing. Uh, but ABC from, from what I'm, I'm slowly learning about Impact, they're, they're the guys. But that's who they're gonna they're gonna run with them. So I'd imagine they're gonna go over, uh, and, and they're both very talented. They're both very good. So I'd imagine it'll be a strong match, even not knowing the others are right, the good hands. But ABC they can put on a good match with with most people. Yeah, so no, I think don't. it'll still be solid. And yeah, it's nice to see tag team wrestling becoming relevant again. But remember, one time tag team wrestling was a big deal, it especially was, when I was a young fella. Yep. You no. Know, Demolition, the Road Warriors, the Killer Bees. Demolition? Demolition. Oh, Demolition. Okay, I thought you called it. You know, Axe and Smash? Yes. And then they added... You listen about as well as my wife does. You know that? I try. That's what she I listen about as well as Helen Keller can listen to this podcast. Michael, be nice. Why you gotta be like that? You're being a scumbag. Be that guy. For the X Division Championship, it is going to be Trey Miguel, who's the current champion, who's kind of one of those guys who can do a little bit of everything. I mean, he's a high flyer, but he also has the abilities to grapple really well. He does train wrestling really well. He fits into a lot of different genres. I mean, I definitely could see him stepping up and competing in the heavyweight division as well, but he's going to be taking on long time impact wrestling uh even know if you would call him a legend um but it's chris saban one half of the motor city machine guns and chris saban says you know what you've disrespected this championship trey miguel has spray painted over the championship and he said in a recent episode of impact wrestling you know there's a lot of guys who've held this championship he ran down a list of names he said aj styles and he also said jerry lynn as well so Chris Saban is looking to maybe uh, teach Trey Miguel a lesson, 
Trey is, once again, I don't know how you take the championship off of Trey. Maybe this is a storyline where he tries to maybe teach or bring Trey along a little bit, but that's going to be for the uh, X Division Championship. Let me ask you this. Uh, do you remember Ultimate X when it was playing TNA? Loved that. Loved it when they had the the cross of the wires at the top and the X was hold, was hanging and yeah, they had to get to that. That was cool. Yeah. No, they, Empire TNA it was then. They had a lot of good talent come through there. They did. It's unfortunate they never made a go out of it, but there was a lot of people. And a lot of them were uh, unknown talent to me. Realistically, some of them you had heard of. But there was no real big stars. There, there were a lot of them were, you know, unproven, we'll say, or not appear anyhow. People, we didn't know who they were. But the matches were excellent. And the, the ring being a different shape, that was different. It was neat. Yeah, it was a bit hokey, but, you know, it's, you need to, to separate yourself from, from everybody else somehow. And that worked. And the X Division, Ultimate X matches were excellent. Because you got a special kind of athlete to compete in that match. You do. You you very much do. And it's because you know it's going to be high flying. You know there's going to be some phenomenal spots. Because, you know, generally everybody in those matches was a high flyer. So I I enjoyed watching that. that. They used to be excellent. We're going to be seeing in a dog collar match, Killer Kelly taking on Masa Slamovich. And I have personally never seen a women's dog collar match before. Masa is one of the most aggressive, uh, might I say violent women in the world of wrestling. But she definitely can also grapple with you. She's good in submission style wrestling. Uh, She's going to be taking on Killer Kelly. And I tell you what, Kelly has got a streak in her as well. She's definitely no woman to mess with. They were brawling in the uh, stands, going after each other, obviously leading up to this big match officially being signed. Masa dropped the championship most recently to Blake Christensen, who we just talked about before. So this match looks like it's going to be up for the billing. These two are definitely at each other's throats right now, but just the concept of a women's dog collar match with two women who have the intensity that these two killer Kelly and Masa have. I have to see this. I've never seen this before. I've seen very few dog collar matches in general. I mean, I've seen the Piper uh, Valentine one. I've seen that dog collar match. I'm trying to think here, going back to my, my, my growing up years, who else had a dog collar match that I remember? Um, didn't Junkyard Dog have a dog collar match? Oh, I was just going to say JYD Mustang. That was part of his gimmick was a dog collar. Yeah. Um, well, they never did him for quite a long time. Right. And then AEW kind of brought it back with um, it, Punk and... Was it MJF? MJF, yes. Uh, wasn't coming to me, but with their match, and then the Briscoes and FTR, they had a tag team dog collar match two years ago, I guess it was now, or a year and a half ago. Um, didn't, didn't Cody and Brody Lee have one? That's true, yes. That's in AEW call. as well. Yep. Um, I'm looking here, just looking at some of the history of dog collar matches, 
and Junkyard Dog versus Butch Reed. That was in Mid-South, which was a big feud between the two of them. Um, in PPW, Mad Dog Conley versus Jordan Blade. And in ECW, it was the, Pits, uh, the Pitbulls, and they took on Raven and Stevie Richards in a dog collar match. I'm trying to see if there were any other notable ones that they had. What about the Moondogs? They must have at some point, no? You think? Um, that's a good point here. Let's see. I do believe WWE has had some of them. Okay, they had a Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin. That was a dog collar match. I don't remember that very well. I don't remember at all. When was that? Uh, let's see here. It was when Roman was still with the Shield. That was a while. So that's that's been a while. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Yep, so Brody Levers is Cody Rhodes in the first ever one that they had. Raven had one against Abyss in the original TNA. Jeff Hardy had one versus Rey Mysterio. Saturn and Chris Jericho had one. Um, I don't know if that was in WCW or that was in ECW. Punk had one versus Raven. Uh, let's see here. Anybody else? Buzz Sawyer and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So there's there's been a lot of them. Do you know the rules to a dog collar match? Pin them. But is that not basically the rule? It's just pin them. You got to stay, stay attached. You can use it as a weapon. Pin or submit. Am I wrong? Like, I didn't think there was anything special about it. You could use it as a weapon. but oh, um. Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right. Wrestlers allowed to use the chain in any preference they choose. An opponent can whip each other with the rep, can whip themselves with the chain, put them around their necks, put them on their fists, etc., etc. Um, they can even pass it between their opponent's legs to subdue them. Um, and obviously the goal is to pin your opponent. You're correct. There aren't really a whole lot of rules, and I don't even know if there's any rope breaks. Good question. When you think about matches like this, I mean, there's strap matches. There's a Russian strap match. Um, In the strap match, Wahoo McDaniel used to have those all the time. Yes. Uh, a bull rope match. That's a big one. With the cowbell? Yes. Very interesting. So, it's going to be a good match. It's going to be a really, really good match. Once again, it's going to be a dog collar match between Masa Slamovich. She's taking on Killer Kelly. That's going to be happening at Against All Odds. June the 9th, you can find that on Fight Plus, Fight TV. Um, also, for Impact Insiders, you're going to be able to catch that as well. Or you can simply order it on traditional pay-per-view. I think it's going to be a great one. Here is going to be a great match. So the world champion, Deanna Peraza, who has been the Impact World Champion for quite some time, uh, she is, in my opinion, in the top three of all the women right now, in pro wrestling. I loved what Deanna Praz is doing. Now she has had a feud with Jordan Grace. Jordan Grace had one last opportunity at the last pay-per-view to beat her to win the championship. But if Jordan couldn't get it done, that was Jordan's last opportunity as long as Deanna was still champion. So it looks like it's going to be Deanna Peraza. And you're also going to have Trinity going up against Giselle Shaw and her heavy or her, uh, second, whatever you want to refer to them, Savannah Evans. And I think this is going to be good. This all is going to lead to Slammiversary, where it's going to be Trinity taking on 
Diana Peraza for the world championship in the women's division. So Giselle Shaw, who had been a baby face for a long time, uh, now obviously with her alliance with Savannah Evans, she is now in Camp Heel. I think this is going to be a good match. I think Savannah Evans is going to be the weak link. I hate to say it because Giselle is definitely a consummate wrestler. Trinity definitely is. Deanna Peraza is without a shadow of a doubt. You just almost feel bad for Savannah Evans because I feel like she's the sore thumb that's going to be sticking out on this one. But regardless, you still have three women in this match that are going to absolutely tear the house down. And uh, once again, it's going to be going down live June the 9th on Impact Plus, Fight TV, or Ultimate Impact Insiders. You're going to be able to catch that one as well. They're going to have a match called the 841 match. You ever heard of an 841 match? Nope. Is that the area code for Columbus? So, an 841 match means you have basically it's a four on four, right? But whatever team survives, right? Whatever team wins that tag match, those four guys go into a fatal four way. And then there's only one guy left. So, they start out with eight. Right? Four guys here, four guys here. The team that wins, whoever gets the pin on the other team, then they're gone, and it's a four-way. So you have, here is everybody involved. Bully Ray, Jonathan Gresham, Heath Slater, and then you have Nick Aldis, Moose, Speedball Mike Bailey, Rich Swan, and PCO. Jesus. It's going to be a good match. It's going to be a damn good match. It's it's going to be a good match because right now they're trying to t- determine who's going to be the number one contender for Slam Reversary. Now, Bully Ray recently came out and said, you know what? I'm going to be the guy who wins this, and I'm going to go on to Slam Reversary, and I'm going to be the one who takes on Steve Macklin. Well, it's nice that Bully Ray feels that way. However, Steve Macklin has his hands full do you know who Steve Macklin is going to be taking on at Against All Odds? No, I don't, but I'm sure you do, and you're going to fill me in. I am. The second half of the Motor City Machine Guns, Mr. Alex Shelley. Alex Shelley. Oh, yeah, that's what he got for winning his match a couple weeks ago. Correct. So now Alex Shelley is the current number one contender to... Steve Macklin's championship. They're going to be going at it. Now, the interesting thing that I found with the most recent episode of Impact Wrestling was Bully Ray comes out and he starts kind of talking down to Alex Shelley and said, you know what? You're known as a great wrestler. You've done great things, but you've never been known as the guy who could win the big one. I just don't think you have it in you. So therefore, Bully Ray is already kind of casting Alex Shelley aside saying, there's no way you're going to beat Steve Macklin. So Macklin, guess what? When I win the 8-4-1 match, it's going to be you and me at Slammiversary. Do you think, and I, I don't personally think that they're going to take the belt off Macklin. What I think they're going to do is keep the belt on Macklin until Josh Alexander comes back because that would make the most sense. Hey, he won the championship in a tournament that the belt really was mine. However, because of an injury, I had to drop the belt. It would just be this this full circle for Josh to come back. Do you think that they would put the belt on Alex Shelley going into Slammiversary? No, no. It would make no sense. You you would gain nuts from 
Not to take anything away from Alex Shelley. Been around a long, long time. Very talented wrestler. He's been an impact wrestler forever. Yeah. I know he left for a bit, but he's been around with them. He was around when it was TNA. Yep. Right? So, I mean, he's he's, del- he's a company man, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen here. He's going to be a company man. He's going to put off a great match with Macklin, but he's going to come up short. I agree. You would be, I think you would be foolish to take the belt off of Macklin right now. Because even whoever wins the 8 4 1 match yeah. is not getting the belt. I'm sorry, you're, you're not. Well, you got to think about it from this perspective. Okay. Bully thinks he's going to win. So you potentially could be setting up a Bully Ray versus Steve Macklin at Slammiversary. However,. You also have Nick Aldis, who just came back to the company. You don't think that they're going to try to push that guy to have a Nick Aldis versus Steve Macklin for the world title? Like that to me seems like that's the best approach at going at going about booking Slammiversary. It's your biggest event of the year. So you have Bully Ray, Jonathan Gresham, Heath Slater. Okay. Out of those guys, I would think Bully would have the best shot, but I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. Your next set of guys, Nick Aldis, Moose, um, Mike Bailey, Nick Aldis probably. Uh, Mike Bailey is fantastic. I don't I don't foresee Mike Bailey being the one. And then Rich Swan, who's been an Impact World Champion, if you remember a couple years ago, he had the feud with Kenny Omega, where Kenny actually ended up beating him to become the Impact World Champion, which didn't make any sense to me why Rich Swan never got a rematch. And then they ended up going with Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega. Do you remember when that all was going yeah, down? that was weird. There was, some, it there was, was something we don't know happened there. Well, that was also during the time when Hangman Adam Page was supposed to be going against Kenny Omega for the championship for AEW, but he took that time off. He also went on paternity leave. And I feel like it kind of took something away when he stepped away from wrestling, which listen, having just gone through paternity leave, look, you have no time to think about anything else. The only thing you're thinking about is when can I catch it a little bit of sleep? So I totally get it from that perspective, but I never thought rich Swan got his just dues. He never got it. And then ended up being Christian cage and Christian cage became impact world champion. But then they ended up doing a Christian cage on back to back pay-per-views, which was like, really, we're going to do this. But they were scrambling. They were scrambling to try to find out what they could do. And then finally PCO, which PCO just got done having a championship match uh, and anything goes match with Macklin, which was, fantastic in every regard it was brutal violent so good it was and he came up short so they're not going to go back to the well again right now even though pco is one of my guys um pco you you know what you get though you're gonna get a solid match he's gonna put everything out there yes pco now hear me out mike i know he's your guy i know you love him his best days are probably behind him Physically at this point. 
Not that he's not capable of putting off great matches still, but he's he's not a young man. He's got a lot of wear and tear on him and stuff like that. He's still amazing in the ring, but he's more catered to your more uh, physical matches now, like your like like him and Macklin had. And there's not a damn thing wrong with it. Like the, I was entertained. I know you were entertained. We've talked about the match off the air. So, but you're, you're not going to put the belt on him. You, you just can't. He's not. He will never get over enough in the States to make him a champion. So, PCO is not going to be your guy, unfortunately. No, um, but I feel like in a lot of ways, PCO is a lot like a Natty Neidhart. And, and follow me if you're, you know where I'm going with this. It's that person that you know, you trust, you rely on, that you put all your confidence in, that's going to go out there and put on probably one of the best performances the entire night. And you just have that confidence in that person. And I feel like that's who he is. is that, does the comparison make sense? No, I'm with you 100%. No, you, you know you're going to get a good match out of him every single time. He's he's going to be safe in the ring. I mean, don't get me wrong. Him and Macklin beat the crap out of each other. But, I mean, Macklin didn't get hurt. I mean, he, he got hard weighed, but he didn't get hurt. And for you to have a match as physical as their match was and not have a torn something or a sprain something or that's two professionals right and, and that's the thing and that's what you're going to get out of pco 100 percent he, he's your your savvy veteran that he knows his limits and but he's still going to make sure he's going to look after you in the ring you're not going to get hurt unless it's just some freak thing and, and which happens to everybody it is what it is that's yep. But you know he's not Teddy Hart and they're doing something stupid. He's not a uh, Uvi doing something stupid. Like, you know, if if you get hurt in a match with PCO, something went off the rails. You didn't follow directions. Pro- most likely, that or just something freak happened to you. Like, you know, you lost your balance somewhere. It's it's going to be something like that. Something I also found to be very, very interesting. It was reported also this past week uh, that sources are saying the former Impact World Champion Moose, his contract is about to expire soon, and he would be hitting potentially the free agent market. Um, it says that his contract is supposed to be expiring, I think, at the end of June. So that July. yet... What's that? End of July. End of July, Okay. So that kind of also is a little foreshadowing, and they're probably not going to put the championship on somebody who doesn't hasn't really come to terms if they're going to be there long term or not. Let me ask you: If Moose doesn't stay with Impact Wrestling, where do you think, in your opinion, Moose is best suited for? Uh, Something like triple A, something okay. like that. I think he, he'd do well there. Uh, he won't fit in in the, the WWE um, mold. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, but you get where I'm going with this. Yep. Um, AEW doesn't need more talent. Nope. 
Moose is very good, but he's not a big enough talent where you would clamor to bring him in, I don't think. Taking nothing away from the man, I don't mean it that way, but he's not. It's not like he's hitting the open market. Hey, we got to get him. He's not going to draw you a bunch of fans or nothing like that. So I don't think AEW would benefit from him. So what do you got left? You have, well, I guess you got three. You resign, which wouldn't be a bad deal. No. Right? I mean, is he going to go to NWA? That's an option. I don't think it's a good one. Uh, nothing, not there's anything wrong with NWA, but his career won't benefit from that. Is realistically, it's Mexico or Japan. I think yeah. there really is options. Yeah, or no, I agree. Near one of them, or go to straight indie route and just do indie shows all over Hell's Half Acre. Make a very good living doing that. If that's your cup of tea, if that's what you want, for indie shows, autograph signings, meet and greets, you can do well. He very well could. I'm with you. Um, so this is, a, this is an article writ, written by Matthew Wilkinson. This is dated back on January the 13th. Uh, Impact Wrestling's champion Moose recently spoke to Busted Open Radio about his decision to re-sign with Impact Wrestling. Moose ended up putting paper to pen uh, on the deal just recently. However, he did reveal before he put pen to paper, there was some interest in WWE. Now, this is what he said at the time. I just re-signed with Impact in July, and I want to say this. Uh, whenever I do something like this, it's a hard decision because there's other offers to consider. There was a chance for me to go to WWE, and AEW also had an option. It's just one of those things. I'm one of those guys where I set my goals out to accomplish, and if I don't get those goals done, it doesn't sit right with me. There were some goals that I had in mind that I wanted to accomplish, like being a world champion, being the face of a company, have a proper title reign, because I considered when I had the TNA Heavyweight Championship run that that was a real run because obviously we know how we got there. I wanted a real run with the Impact World Championship just to see if it would be different from the previous guys who had held it. Um, here, here's what he ultimately said. It just didn't sit right with me right now leaving, going somewhere else without accomplishing all of my goals, Moose claimed. And ultimately it was my decision to stay where I was, and I think it's a good one. Now Hall of Famer Booker T recently spoke about Moose stating that he would like to see him face someone like a Roman Reigns. During the interview, the Impact star responded to the comments by saying um, that he is open to facing the Tribal Chief in a match, and he thinks it would be a good one. Booker T also followed it up with this. It was definitely surreal um, when Booker T made those comments about me. I think very highly of him. It was definitely surreal to me, being a fan of his. Um, I am highly confident in my abilities, and I am looking forward to becoming Impact World Champion at this time. So I guess, and, and here's the big question you have to ask yourself. When someone says many offers were on the table, but I decided to stay with Impact, you got to ask yourself the question, were there more options? Or was there some small scuttlebutt conversations? And you're using that to kind of prop yourself up a little bit? Like, oh, I was... I had offers. Do you think he legitimately had offers from AEW and WWE? I don't know if he would have had the legitimate offers. He would have had phone calls, or yeah. his agent would have had phone calls. Definitely. I mean, he he is a name. 
And when I say he's not a big enough name to sell you a bunch of tickets, I'm not cutting the man up. I, I don't mean it that way. But do you know what I mean? Like he's not a super duper star. There's that it factor that you see right. with certain people that you don't see with everyone else. I, I'm with I mean, you on that. I'm sure talent relations in WWE and AEW would have contacted him. How far did it go? Was it, you know, uh, they were calling up, TK was calling up, like, hey, Moose, we'll give you three years at this right off the hop. Here's a contract. I doubt that. I don't see that being the case. Uh, definitely don't see that being the case with WWE. That would completely shock me. So, no, I'm sure he received phone calls. I'd be shocked if he didn't. Because he is not a big name, but a big enough name to where he's going to generate interest from the other organizations. But they're not beating on the doors to sign him to a big money contract, I don't think. Yeah, I don't get that feeling either. Um, a new report coming out from the Wrestling Observer states that Santana from one half of uh, Proud and Powerful will be returning to AEW after healing from his torn ACL. Good. Now, there's no word on yet where he will be used, whether that is uh, Dynamite or Rampage or potentially the new show Collision. Now, he'd recently tag-teamed with Ortiz, but that is likely done to a private falling out between the two. Meltzer stated that he was not sure exactly what the issue was between the two, but that they did not look forward to wanting to work together again after he returned from the ACL injury. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I liked Proud and Powerful. I really, really did. I thought they were a great tag team. And... Obviously, they were in TNA slash Impact Wrestling before, and I thought they were good. And I think it's just a damn shame that things didn't work out for them because I think they should have definitely gotten a tag team title run. And because that didn't happen, I wonder if there was this thought process of, well, what can we do here with these guys? If they're not going to be a tag team, what do you do? Like, Santana is definitely good on the mic. Ortiz can be good on the mic, but I feel like together there's something apart as singles, not not so much. We have to see. We have to give it a chance to see how what can come of them separate. I agree with you as they can. They're very good. I enjoyed them. Uh, got lost in the shuffle a little bit, I think, in AEW. Uh, they just, well, you no, know, they were Jericho's lackeys. And whatnot, and they never really materialized. But I mean, they the match they had the uh, parking lot match with. Um, so it was best friends. Yes, it was proud and powerful. Was it? Was it anybody else involved, or was no, it just no? It was just the four. Okay, and that's that's the one where they had all the cars. They were all that's facing right. inward. Yes, that was an amazing match. And then Orange Cassidy came out of the. Uh, out of the trunk. I thought that was tremendous. You know, uh, Meltzer gave credit to Jerry Lynn for putting that match together. But when I talked to Jerry, Jerry said, oh, that's not right. Um, the the boys put it together in TK. He says, I give all of them credit. Even if Jerry did put it together, he'd still say something like that. He would because he's a team player. He's a yeah. good dude. The great man. Um, well, he put up with you for how many years? That shows <sighs> how good of a person he is. What is the bash on me? Oh, I struggle every Tuesday. Terrible. 
You're terrible. Yeah. Speaking of the aforementioned Jerry Lynn, um, I'm not sure if you heard this news. Did you hear the news about Jerry? No. Uh, Jerry Lynn will be the, um, I guess the the head person, the person in charge, the GM, oh, if you will, of um, of Ring of Honor. Yeah, so he's going to be there. Um, he's going to be the. I, I'm going to have to pull the article up. So there's going to be two people that are executive directors. It's going to be him and Stokely Hathaway. And so they're going to have to obviously come to terms and, and agree with what they're going to do as far as matchmaking and whatnot. But it is going to be an on-camera uh, personality, an on-camera screen um, character, and that he is going to be doing that. And I'm really excited about that. Um, I was a bit surprised, I'll be honest, because uh, I didn't know if Jerry wanted to be on camera. Uh, Jerry's a humble guy. Like, he'll he'll help out and he'll do everything. I just don't know how much he really likes to be on camera, but I guess evidently TK talked to him and Jerry has a lot of love for ring of honor. Like his passion for that promotion runs deep. And I think when, you know, push came to shove, he decided, you know what, this might not be a bad idea for me. So was he not the champion there once or twice? He he was the ring of honor champion. You're right. I thought so. So he and Stokely Hathaway are going to be the two, I guess, the GMs, if you will, and they're going to be the ones putting the matches together. One's going to play babyface, one's going to play heel. It was funny when I read the article originally, and they said, um, when they said that, said Stokely Hathaway, who I have nothing but love for Stokely Hathaway. That guy is so good on the mic, and he's so funny, and how he does not crack a smile or make someone else break character when he either tears into him or says a line. I have no idea. He's so good at what he does and I am very happy for him. And I think he's going to do very well in this role. I wish I get that up here. Ring of honor. I got to look into that some more. See if I can get it. I, up here. There was rumor that AEW was going to be in some type of, and once again, this is just speculation with Max, which used to be HBO Max. Now they've dropped the HBO and now it's just Max about having a streaming service and obviously, you know, putting all of their content on that. But I do know if you are a member of Honor Club, you definitely can get all the old stuff. The new stuff, not so much. You have to pay for that separately. Well, of course. Which, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like Ring of Honor, if you're really wanting to build Ring of Honor up, wouldn't you want to make it a free product so we can get as much exposure as possible? You think so? Yeah, I I don't... People are only going to give so much. People only have so much money. People have so much time. And, you know, like I have the WWE Network, so that's available to me up here. Right, um, Ring of Honor, um, Honor Club, it might be available to me up here. I've never looked into it, to be quite honest with you. But why would you not have your your new stuff? Because it's a relaunch, really. Right. Why would you not put it on? Maybe have it available in Canada. I know we're the redhead stepchild of the U.S., but you know, have some stuff available here in Canada to draw in some more fans. Because there's a lot of wrestling fans here. There's a reason Impact runs at 
ton of shows in Ontario, right? Because they get a full house all the time. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of wrestling fans there that, unfortunately, get forgotten a little bit. Right. Right? And Ring of Honor, you would think, wanted to relaunch, wanted to make a, a name for themselves again, try to become relevant. Oh, it's a lot easier to get more people to watch it if I can see it on YouTube, just for example, live, or the day after or something like that. Right. Versus me not being able to, because as far as I know, we cannot get it here in Canada. Uh, if so, somebody knows different, please tell me. We can't even get um, Rampage. So your only option is TSN when you go to watch wrestling, right? Um, WWE is on, what's SmackDown on? I think that's Fox. Is it Fox? SmackDown is on Fox. Fox. I don't know what it's on in your country. Yeah, I, no, I don't. We, we, well, we get Fox as well. Apparently. Okay. And yeah, and for uh, Raw, it's on Sportsnet 360, I believe it's called. Okay. I don't get that channel. And for AEW, for Dynamite, it's on TSN2. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, I'm with you on this one. I I love Ring of Honor, but recently they had said that I talked to somebody who went to a, a recent AEW Dynamite. So they did Dynamite, and then they there was a small break. Then they did Rampage. Then they did Ring of Honor. And they were saying, as far as like East Eastern Standard Time, they weren't getting out of there till almost 1 a.m., 1 a.m. on a Wednesday night. Yes. When you most people eat, have to be to work the next morning, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, and you're not, you're not even th okay. The sh if you get out around one, if you're one of those loyalists, right? You walk to the parking garage. Obviously, it's not going to be bumper to bumper parking because most people are gone. So you get out of there. Depends on where you live. You got to drive home. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, traffic isn't too crazy at that hour. You drive home, right? Grab a shower, get something to eat. Sometimes, I don't know if, if you feel this way, but if you get home really late, do you feel like you got to wind down a little bit before you just go to bed, or can you just go to bed? Oh, no, I have to wind down. Yeah. You know, relax for a little bit. Because I know if I go to bed, I come home from whatever it would be, a concert, or even come home from visiting friends. Right. I'm not most people like, oh, it's whatever time, time to go to bed. Yeah, it's time to go to bed, but I, I can't. I'm going to put on the TV, you know, sit in my recliner for a bit, put on the TV, not for a long time. Right. But just to get that, you know, just to wind down, relax time, you know, maybe, maybe a half hour, you know, maybe an hour, who knows. And then I'm going to go to bed. But, I mean, if I'm leaving, if I'm leaving at the show tonight, just random example, 1 a.m. Uh, it's a half hour to your home. You know, so you're probably going to be a half hour from the time you leave till you get to your car, till you get out of the parking lot. That's an easy half hour. Yeah. So now we're 1.30. I'm getting home at 2. You know, time you get in, what night you sit down, it's 2.30, 3 o'clock before you go to bed. Well, I mean... My alarm goes off at 
right? I mean, I, I probably wouldn't even go to bed. I don't think. I'd just kick back in my recliner and try to catch a, a wee little nap because I know if I get in bed at that time, I'm just going to get into that real good sleep when the alarm's going to be going off. So I'd rather just have a, a nap in my recliner, my lazy boy, and then get up and get showered and go to work. That, that's late. Like, for a that, Wednesday, if it was Saturday night, that's a bit of a different ball. Friday night, Saturday night, different ball games. But on a Wednesday, I couldn't do it. I have a hard time Tuesday nights. I'll be dragging <laughs> my ass tomorrow going to work. I feel bad. I keep you on here too late. Nah, that's fine. Um, interesting story came across here. Skylar Russell was writing in this, and this is on Fightful. Bobby Fish, who um, did not re-sign with AEW and became a free agent, he did his tour around the different independent promotions. So Bobby Fish was asked about, you know, how he felt when the Undisputed Era ended in WWE. Now, the popular faction debuted in 2017, and it was came to an abrupt ending in 2021 during the pandemic itself. Now, at one point, fans expected Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish to get a run on the main roster as the Undisputed Era, either on Raw or SmackDown. That was widely believed. In a recent interview, this is what Bobby Fish had to say. If I'm being honest, I don't think anybody wanted that. I think that some point that might have been thought of, but I don't think they were even sure they wanted us to that point. I think the pandemic turned everything on its head. I think there were some things that we did with Pat McAfee that was really, really good and really helped us. Um, things that could have allowed us to turn babyface with war games, which they did. We definitely felt like we believed we had a place in WWE, but who knows how long that would have lasted. So I think the decision ended up being because we just ran out of other options during the pandemic time and everything was just, you know, no audience. Everything was changing what was expected to be needed to be done and life itself. That's just I'm a firm believer in this. My faith tells me that my schedule is not always on my time and I have to accept things for when they come. Uh, months after the Undisputed Era finished up and broke up, Fish, O'Reilly, and Cole would end up all going to All Elite Wrestling. Cole is obviously still with the company right now. Fish is currently a free agent. Roderick Strong debuted for AEW just in April, and Kyle O'Reilly is looking to return to AEW after having his neck surgery. Let me ask you this. The Undisputed Era, they did a lot of good things uh, when it was the original Black and Gold, I think. Even people who are not fans of WWE, namely myself, I loved the black and gold, the original black and gold. And I felt like the Undisputed Era was a faction that was really good. Now, they weren't big guys. They were more guys that were probably somewhere between, you know, 5'10 and 6 foot slender build but they they definitely looked like cruiserweights if that makes sense mm -hmm. but they had a a personality about them a swagger obviously led by adam cole that got them over with the audience do you think what bobby fish was saying that he didn't think that they probably were ever going to get over over on a raw or smackdown as a faction is probably sadly true yeah i, I believe that they didn't fit the WWE mold. You no, know, like 
Adam Cole doesn't have a great physique. You know, like a, a lot of guys in, in, in girls, you know, everybody in WWE, for the most part, are usually pretty cut up. Adam Cole's not fishes, right? Um, O'Reilly is. Roderick Strong is. Right? Adam Cole wasn't. They're not big men. Like no. you said, they're, they're cruiserweights. Yeah. Which And great wrestlers, fantastic wrestlers. Fantastic as a faction. But it was like, like I said about Moose earlier, they didn't fit in the mold. Which is foolish to think of, considering they were in WWE. NXT, albeit, but that's part of WWE. But they never fit the WWE mold. So the chance of them getting called up, if they did get called up, they wouldn't have been um, mainstay, big-name talent. They would have been brought up, used, because you're going to bring them up, you're going to use them, but they would have never been a big deal. It would have never been a, a faction like uh, the Bloodline or something like that. I don't think. It's unfortunate because four of them are amazing. Yeah, I like no, to see, come, I like see uh, Fish come back to WWE or AEW. I would like to see Bobby Fish come back. Um, I don't know ultimately what's going to happen with the whole alliance right now with Roderick Strong and Adam Cole. I mean, I know they hugged and whatnot, but it seems like from what we're hearing, there's a lot of interest in an Adam Cole world title reign. And I don't think that MGF would have any qualms losing to an Adam Cole. Cole's a veteran. He's really good. I think they could put on a great match. Um, but I, I wonder in a lot of ways, if, if you had this, this going in one promotion, does it necessarily always mean it's going to translate to another one? Because we've talked about this in the past. The WWE audience and the AEW audience, yeah, they're both wrestling fans, but they're completely different. Would you agree? Yes. 100 percent they're very different. Different mindsets. Generally your AEW fans are more indie wrestling fans versus your WWE fans are in the bubble. Sports entertainment fans. Yeah. That that makes sense, yeah. It does. It makes complete sense. Anything that happens in WWE makes perfect sense maybe not necessarily i mean i know there's some wwe people who probably listen to the show and they say i don't agree with everything wwe does but overall true blue they're wwe now the reason why i think fans like AEW is because there's a lot of people who could have had a chance to be somebody in, in wwe but they they got snubbed right we weren't big enough they weren't tall enough they didn't have the right body they couldn't do this that's why when you looked at ECW, they considered themselves the, the land of misfit toys. And I think the original TNA was looked at as the same way, the land of misfit toys. We were the, we were the ones that WWE deemed that they couldn't do anything with us. And I think that's kind of the concept of how AEW was starting. We were the ones that were snubbed. We were the ones that if we were brought in, we were jobbers or, you know, we weren't given really much of a push or an opportunity. And I think that's where Cody's 
vision was when it was creating AEW was, hey, look, there's a lot of guys and gals out there that are good. And just because they don't somehow you know, fit the image of what WWE is looking for doesn't mean that they can't go. And it doesn't mean that they can't sell tickets. And they need to be given an opportunity. And that was the vision. And I think if we really break it down... That might be why Cody decided to leave was that Tony Khan realized, hey, guess what? Yes, this is how we feel, but to keep up with WWE, we're still going to have to have some bigger names. Get some bigger names to get eyes on the people that no one knows to build up the people that no one really knows about a whole heck of a lot. Because when you look at the independent circuit, there's a ton of great wrestlers, right? But some of them are in pockets, Right. So somebody may be a really big fan of Black Label Pro in everything that they've done and they've got great talent. But does that mean everyone's in Black Label Pro? Probably not. Warrior Wrestling is another one. You think a lot of people are super familiar with the talent that's come out of Warrior or AAW in Chicago or PPW up in Pennsylvania or you name the promotion. But there's various pockets of these talents. And I think if you don't come through NXT, or now they have the NIL next in line, which is a feeder into NXT. I feel like you almost get looked over. And I I think that may be one of the reasons why Cody decided that he wasn't going to stay anymore. You were becoming what you didn't want to be or what you didn't like. And now that's all you are. You're uh, in some ways a carbon copy of what you were created to be the opposite of. So why would you go back to WWE? If you want to leave AEW because it's like it was, it was becoming WWE, why would you go back there? I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm no, I, the only thing I can think of is why he would go back is he would say, okay, so we're becoming what I just left. And this is how much I'm making here. This is how they, they think of me, right? I'm an EVP, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. This is the salary I'm making. But then I think maybe WWE was like, and, and, and don't mistake me. Don't, don't think that WWE didn't take Cody back because they were just wanting to steal an AEW EVP away and just be like, ha ha, look what we did to your company. You know, you, you claim you're this new thing, this new revolution. Well, we stole one of your big pieces away, and he was glad to come back to us. What I think was Cody evolved. And how many times have we seen that, though? Wrestlers leave WWE, and they evolve. They leave, and they change, and they realize what worked and what didn't work. And they make themselves more marketable, and then they end up coming back. So, I mean, look at Drew McIntyre. He's a perfect example of that. Um, look at who else? Who else? Who else? Um, Matt Cardona is going to be that. Matt Cardona very well could be that. I think that if they're going to do that, they better strike pretty fast. I think the Matt Cardona peak has already happened. The independent Matt Cardona on the indies has already peaked. Would you agree? Probably. But, I mean, because he was all still over the place. But I think he could very easily get back to that again if he wants to. Well, let's let's hope he can. I'd love to see him get that opportunity. I think he totally can. He's still amazing. It's not like he's lost a step. I just think he's 
he came out gangbusters. I think he had 93 titles at one damn time. I don't know how much. It seems like he had every title there was to get. Obviously, 93 is an exaggeration, but you know where I'm going with this. He had everything. Right? And he probably just got, okay, that idea came and went. Maybe I'll dial it back a bit and whatnot. Just don't forget, he's also got his own YouTube show about the wrestling figures and his podcast. And I believe he has a line of wrestlers as well, wrestling toys. He does. He absolutely does. So, I mean, it's not like he doesn't have his hand in a lot of stuff, right? So he, I would imagine he came out, came out gangbusters after he was released. Or, did he quit? Or, no, he was released, right? He was released, yes. So after he got released, he came out, proved him wrong, reinvented himself. But you got to think, some of the stuff he was doing was very not Matt Cardona-like. Oh, I would agree. When he went to GCW doing the hardcore matches. Yes. Would you have expected that? No. And nobody in the right mind would have. So he came out, proved, hey, I can do this. I can do this match. I can do this kind of match. I can wrestle with these people. I can wrestle here. I can wrestle there. I'm a big deal. I'm popular. I'm over. Everybody likes me. Oh, I did that. Maybe I'll dial it back a little bit now. But if he wanted to ramp it up again to where he took over the independent scene, he could start up again next week. People still will see him. If he came handy to you, would you go see him? He was in a in an indie show in Cincinnati. Would you I go? May. I may, yeah. I would. I'd go in a heartbeat. If uh, Chinlock Wrestling, that's the organization here in Kingston, brought him in, oh, yeah, I'll be there. No problem at all. So he could very easily get back to that. Um, kind of sticking with the news of AEW, there was an update on whether how talent felt about CM Punk coming back. Now, from what I have heard and from what I've read as well, the talent did not know that CM Punk was coming back until Tony Khan's promo actually aired. Um, once again, do you call that fooey or do you think there's a lot to that? Do you think there's some truth to that? If that's the case, that's a bad look, man. I agree. I don't yeah. think you do something like that. I mean, are you worried within your company that there's going to be people who are going to go online or tell their friends or text Probably. message people and say, hey, guess what? This is going to happen? Or do you – that's the only reason why I can think you would even do something like that would be I literally do not trust telling the roster because someone's going to say something. Could be that or it could be – Backlash. You know, I'm not talking about WWE to with backlash, but you know, yeah, some people don't want to wrestle with him. Some people yeah. want nothing to do with him, right? So if he comes, if he has his meeting, whatever, uh, Wednesday afternoon before the tapings, when they're all in town X, like okay, we're we're announcing collision tonight, and just so you know, Punk's coming back. Some people will be pissed off. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because Ross Berman wrote an article today. It says CM Punk is returning to All Elite Wrestling on June 17th. Um, here is a few updates regarding the former AEW world champion. There is feeling that he will very much uh, be a heel 
when he returns back. Now, there was also some speculation on how people would feel about him coming back. It says, it seems nobody on the current roster was prepared at first when it was first mentioned. Now, Backstage Report podcast from Fightful was reporting that some AEW locker room are still sore and upset over Punk's comments at the press conference that followed the all-out 2022 media scrum. Nobody currently has plans of any kind to walk out. Um, the collective decision is they are going just to stay away from the divisive star. Here's one thing, uh, a quote. Things have cooled off, Sap said, and AEW has definitely taken measures to keep the issues with Punk and them separate. We're going to make sure we keep them all separate, so to speak. Now, the main tool for keeping talent separate is what is rumored to be a soft brand split, meaning certain stars will be on AEW Dynamite, and there will also be stars on Rampage and then further for AEW Collision. Now, the nature of the brand split is kind of fluid as of right now, and it's going to be considered a soft brand split. That means there is a possibility that stars could still float around to either one of the shows. Um, it was also reported that the inclusion of Ace Steel as part of Collision uh, also did not necessarily lend itself very well. Steel infamously bit Kenny Omega during the locker room altercation during Punk's uh, rant at the media scrum. Punk had reportedly been playing hardball with AEW over having Steel come back to the company. The most recent issues with Punk and AEW were that Punk wanted Steel to be part of the creative team and to be backstage at the shows. Why Tony Khan decided that it would be too divisive to have him backstage, so he will be working remotely as a coach on Zoom or a Skype. Yeah. So what you're telling me, this is okay. Let me rephrase that. So my take on this. Yes. Is CM Punk runs AEW. I was just about to say, why in God's name would you go through all of this trouble? Like I could see a brand split to get more people airtime. I, I completely see that. That's fine. I am okay with that. The part that gets me is that this is a gentleman who from what we're reading and what we understand, there's a large community of people who do not want to work with him. In fact, I don't know if you heard this news, but it was originally reported that it was Jericho that was sat in the meetings with CM Punk and Tony Khan to try to see if they could hash things over. Well, it was also reported that it was going to be Jericho that was going to be in his first program with Punk when he came back. It looks like that has at least cooled off, if not taken off the table completely. There was also the conversations of him having a feud with Samoa Joe, who Joe is going to be on collision as well, but that in itself has also kind of cooled off. Now the next thing that we're hearing is it could be uh, CM Punk and Switchblade Jay White. Now I have a problem. Do not bury Switchblade Jay White. AEW just got a phenomenal talent in him. If you bury Jay White by putting CM Punk over, because once again, CM Punk is supposed to be the star of this collision show. You're not going to have the star of the collision show lose. So whoever is in at least the first feud is going to be losing. Do not make it Switchblade. You will literally lose him in a heartbeat. I think he and Juice Robinson are really good, 
and I think you want to keep those two happy as possible. I'd put Miro in with him. But then again, why are you going to make Miro lose to Punk? Somebody's got to lose to him. No, I and agree. It's got to be so. It's got to be somebody with name value. Yeah, uh, name value, but lower tier name value, such as. Uh, okay. Let's see. A Jake Hager. Mm. You're not going to put Malachi Black. You're going to watch. Are you going to watch that Jake Hager? CM Punk, do you care? No, I don't care at all. Do you think just me and you are the only two that are going to feel that way? However, CM Punk and Miro, you'll watch that, I bet. I would because I like Miro. I feel like as much as Miro, and I hate to say this, put up a big stink. I mean, AEW gave him time to work on a television series and then come back and work when he's ready. And he poo-pooed on all the creative storylines that they pitched to him. Now, this once again, this is just what I've been hearing. That's AEW's fault. And that's a problem for me because Miro was, in my opinion, the best uh, TNT champion there was. Mm-hmm. The best. But what does that what does that say for Tony Khan? What poor communication, or people don't trust him, or people don't like his creative direction. Oh, you it, can do whatever the hell you want. I mean, this is true. It also says if you want to stay home and still collect a paycheck, I'll still do that for you. I think that's wrong as well. I can't do that. No, I can't do that either. That's just that's just not how it works. You are an employee. Yeah, I've signed you for two years, three years, six weeks. I don't give a damn. Whatever it is. Right. This is what we're doing. What I want to. Well, I don't care. Right? Do you want the Perry Saturn treatment? We'll dress you up in a in a skirt and give you a mop to wrestle with. That's stupid. No? Okay, then get your ass to work. I, I don't understand that. How why you would let talent but no, I don't I don't like that idea. Uh, I want to do something else. No. Shut up and go to work. Enough. I don't know who you really would put into that distinction because, like I, I'm, like I said, I'm looking at the roster. Okay, so from a fan's perspective, if you were to book CM Punk, okay, if we have to deal with this horse shit, what I will say is he and Adam Page, oh, my God, I think that would make money. Um, Punk and FTR versus the Elite, that would make money. Let's see here. Um, Nick Gage in a death match. Oh, my God, he looks so out of place when he fought Jericho. He did not look like he was ready for prime time at all. Yeah, but in a death match, he will yeah. out of him. Let's see. Um, Colt Cabana CM Punk. Oh, my God. That, that will obviously never happen, but that would be crazy. You want to talk about... They could... Okay, if AEW did it right, they could make Colt Cabana what they did with Sami Zayn. Does that make sense? They could get so many people chanting Colt when it came to that, but I don't think Punk would ever do that. Um, so does Punk with Collision? Yes. Is he going to be like one of the writers? One of the no, just a talent. Just, but but he's going to have a lot Khan, of pull. Tony Khan gives a lot of creative freedom to the talent. Which is fine to a point. Yeah. You need to let them have a little bit of input. 
not creative control. Which what about I didn't have. What about a Keith Lee? I'm okay with that. Do you think people would tune in for Keith Lee? Yeah, people will still remember him from WWE or more so NXT, I guess. Right? He's he has some name value. Uh, Punk goes over him. It's not a big deal because Keith Lee's really not doing a hell of a lot. Okay, what about what about Powerhouse Hobbs? I think that's a bad idea. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs is somebody you want to try to build. Okay, I think so. I don't know if I'd go that route. I just don't know who you're going to put against CM Punk in the first feud, where clearly Punk is going to end up winning. So you want it to be interesting to be a name but obviously not too big of a name to where it's like, oh, my God, you're making that person lose. I, I don't really know who you go with. I mean, Jericho has no problem doing the jobs, but, I mean. But it's almost if you put Jericho in with them. Realistically, right now, if Jericho is anybody, first thing that comes to your mind is Jericho's job into him. Correct. Because right? uh, that's what Jericho wants. Right at, at this point in his career, he wants to be a, a, a teacher. He wants to get right. people over. Wants to pass the torch, which is a beautiful thing. Love it. That's the way it should be done. But it's almost gotten to the point now where Jericho said, "Yep, he's losing again. Oh, he's in a feud with so and so. Well, we know who he's going to lose to next." They're good he, matches, though. That's what I will say. They, they are, are good matches. Damn good matches. But he's got to get a couple wins. Or at a certain point, it's you being Jericho is, yeah, okay, you're supposed to. It means nothing. Which, that's unfortunate because Jericho deserves better for the career he's had, for what he's done for AEW. I agree. And whoever is wrestling him is not going to get the Jericho rub. No, they're not because he's been bastardized and lost so many times that the star power isn't there. The problem is, is who do you put against Punk? Where, yeah, they're going to do the job, but you can't tarnish them too much because you're going to have to use them again and make it believable that they're still a, a relatively good competitor. And I don't know how many people you necessarily have to do that and make it believable that this person's going to beat CM Punk when we all know ultimately they're going to lose. But how do they lose in a, in a way that says, okay, I can accept that? Daniel Garcia. Do you really want to sacrifice, I mean, somebody who I think is a pillar? I don't know. We're going to talk about... That was literally a name that just popped into my head while we were talking. It's a good idea. I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but I mean, if you want... There's ways you can lose and still come out looking good. I get that. I just... I'm curious. Like, the Daniel Garcia situation, he should have broke away when it was that whole wrestler versus sports entertainer thing, that was the peak of his hotness right there. Like everybody was just, they were like chanting and I feel like he could have been a member of BCC. Um, but that clearly didn't end up happening. I want to give people really quickly a rundown of what's going to be happening on Wednesday night's dynamite. So it was released. This is going to be happening in Colorado Springs, Colorado at the Broadmoor world arena. Um, Right now, the current setup for the arena itself is 
3,878 seats. That's the current setup. They've sold 2,796 tickets. So there's 1,082 tickets that are still left to be sold. That as of today, uh, per Wrestle Ticks, and you can follow them on Twitter. The lineup is AEW International Champion Orange Cassidy will defend his championship against Swerve Strickland, which, once again, if you remember, they were the last two competitors at the uh, 21-man Battle Royal at the last pay-per-view, so they're continuing that feud. Jay White versus Ricky Starks. Juice Robinson and FTR are banned from ringside. We're going to hear from AEW World Champion MJF as he cut the promo. Jack Perry and Hook will be taking on Preston Vance and Drillistico in a Texas Tornado match. And then Tony Khan is going to be announcing what the main event for the very first episode of Collision is going to be on June 17th. Blackpool Combat Club, which is comprised of John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Yuta. Uh, this is sad. They're, they're going to take on Chaos, which is Rocky Romero, Trent Beretta, and Chuck Taylor, part of Best Friends. And that's the lineup for Dynamite. Don't know how interesting that sounds to you, but that's the lineup. I'll watch it. Uh, I watch it pretty much every Wednesday night. Uh, yeah, it uh, doesn't get me excited. It doesn't. It's, it's, it's a bit of it's it's a bit of a weaker card on paper. Now we but have, you never we know. Had... Lot can change. Things could right? definitely but, you change. Know, you could have because of the. The trios match mm-hmm. is going to be a good match. Because, yeah, Beretta, Taylor, and Rocky Romero, yeah, they're not the big stars. But three of them are good. And uh, uh, BBC, they're amazing. You know, Mox is going to bleed, step into the ring. So you know that's going to happen. He's going to sneeze, start bleeding. Right? He's got a deviated septum. Oh, let's, you know that you know that's going to happen. Um, no, you can't tell me, Mike. You're not interested in what uh, TK's announcement's going to be. You are. Um, well, okay. First of all, we know it's going to be CM Punk. Yep. Now, CM Punk and who? Let's okay. Let's realistically talk about this. The main event for Collision. This is the very. This you only get one shot at a first impression. Yep. You have to put together a stellar main event to get people to be even remotely interested. Now, also keep in mind, Collision's a Saturday night show. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. People bust their ass all week. Saturday night's the weekend, man. Yep. Okay, this ain't the seventies and eighties where people gathered around the TV to watch WTBS and watch Gordon Soley and whatnot, you know, the NWA slash WCW. That, that, those days are gone. I don't think they're going to draw very well on Saturday nights. So for this first show, they're going to have to have a banger of a, um, of a main event. Uh, who do you put in there? Have they announced if it's a one-hour show or a two-hour show? I don't know. I, I haven't heard yet. I haven't heard anything either. I, I would, if I were them, both a one-hour show for Saturday night. Because once again, it's, it's only an hour. Yeah, you're you're more inclined to get somebody to tune in for an hour than you are for two 
on a Saturday night. It's okay. Here it is right now. Here's your answer. On May 17th, 2023, AEW and broadcast partner Warner Brothers Discovery announced that a third weekly television show entitled AEW Collision will air live on TNT two hours on Saturday, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard, going on to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard. Oh, it's just not late. But it will be live. It will not be taped. Anyway, I have no idea who the hell they're going to put up again. I mean, I'll be I'll be shocked and surprised. I mean, if they say Jericho, I'll be kind of interested, kind of. But I mean, who are they going to put in a match? Are they going to put Andrade? That's I mean, not a bad call, Mike. The returning Andrade Elidlo. That would that, I'd that watch I mean. That. That'd oh, I definitely watch that. I definitely would watch that. Right. Um. I don't know. They have, like you said, they have to come out hot. Like yes. that card, not just your main event. That card, your first match on that, has got to be special. Because you know yourself. Oh, I'd love to see Eddie Kingston. Right. Eddie Kingston and anybody. I, I think with Eddie Kingston, though, he's too much of a live wire. He is, and that's if what I love about him. get him on the mic, and I, and I do too, oh. but you know he's going to go off on the well, mic. Well, hold on a second. No one really had a problem with what Eddie Kingston said when he cut his punk promo. Do you yeah. remember that, that one about no one really wants you here? Yeah. So how about you go back and you retire and blah 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 and he talked about all the things about Punk's past and never had a, an issue with that. But yeah, workers' but rights he, became a big deal. He does that every week, and it just escalates and escalates. Because you know, at a certain point, he's gonna say something that crosses the line. I mean, and I Eddie love Kingston. Eddie. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I will tune in. I will watch it. I will be enjoying it. I will laugh my ass off when he starts just cutting him to shreds. But in today's day and age where we have censorship and feelings and crap, there's only so far you can push that envelope. No, I and agree. Eddie Kingston is a bit of a live wire. That's what I love about him. He will um, cross He will say something. He's like... Ooh, wish you could take that one back. That's not going to age well. No. Um, Kind of switching gears here. Obviously not to jump away from AEW, but let's talk about a couple other things. Um, I think that one interesting story that I don't know if you've heard a whole lot about, but it, it's kind of been on my radar is what in the heck is going on with, uh, with Bray Wyatt? I don't know how much have you heard about What's going on with Bray? Have you gotten any information on that? I haven't heard there's really anything going on with them. Uh, they, they are kicking the idea around. Or one article I read, uh, they are kind of kicking the idea around as they want to bring back Swamp Bray Wyatt. Well, and there's a lot really of all I heard. There's a lot of different things that are happening right now as far as the storyline with Bray Wyatt. Is some of you may or may not know that. 
Bray Wyatt was an NXT guy, obviously, uh, with the Wyatt family in, in NXT and did very well. And they had a really successful transition. And the whole Swamp character, I mean, they had feuds with the Shield that were legendary. Well, they ended up deciding to break break them apart. So Bray became his own guy. And then, obviously, you had uh, Mr. Brody Lee and Eric Redbeard, who were, what were they known as? The Bash Brothers. Was it the Bash Brothers? I, I, well, for whatever reason, I keep getting it confused with the Brothers of Destruction, but that was Kane and Undertaker. Okay. Um, well, the Bludgeon after that, Brothers. What was that? The Bludgeon Brothers. The Bludgeon Brothers. Very good. Um, Fightful Select is reporting that on the internal roster sheets, and this is with SmackDown and Raw, he is not there. Um, according to Fightful, reports on Bray Wyatt is he's not listed on internal rosters as of May 15th. However, WWE has confirmed with numbers of sources that Bray and Bo Dallas, who's been playing Uncle Howdy, are still, in fact, with the company right now. There are some within the company that are wondering if there is anything left for Bray Wyatt to do. Now, in mid-May, there were some uh, rumors that were emerging of the company cutting ties with Bray. And just saying that it just wasn't working out with them after they brought him back to have the Mountain Dew match, which was an idea of Vince McMahon. Now, he was victorious again against L.A. Knight, but that was the last time we really saw him in a match was the 2023 Royal Rumble in January. Um, so one thing I will say about this is Nick Khan, who is the CEO of... Well, now that the companies are merging and they're creating this new company, we'll just say the CEO of, of WWE said that there is definitely going to be talent cuts and they will be coming. Do we think that Bray and his brother are going to be on that list? Probably. They're paying Bray good money, I assume. And they're doing nothing with him. Just from a financial standpoint. Yeah. No, if you're if you're throwing up good money to a guy and you're doing nothing with him or you can't do anything with him or however you want to look at that, you know, you you gotta trim the fat. Right? And I could see him being a casualty of that. He's done nothing since he's came back. Like it's been bad. It's been bad even for a while. Like that uh um fire Fly house. house, yes, but that that was not good. That was extremely hit and miss at best, and I think it was more misses than hits. So, um, I mean, it had some, like you said, it was hit and miss. Some of us like, hey, this is pretty good, but a lot of it was bad, just just bad. Right, right. Um, just trying to think uh, when he was doing it. Um, Help me out here, Mike. What was he after? He was the Swamp Guy. Um, oh, wow. I thought it was just Bray Wyatt. Yeah, but his character kind of changed there. He wasn't... You know, when he started wearing the masks and all that stuff. Oh, the Fiend. There we go. Yes, sorry. That was okay. Not Bray Wyatt, though. Not Bray Wyatt coming in with the head, sitting in the rocking chair, the swamp. Like, that was over. That was I, amazing. I and think, it's just gone downhill. 
it did with the, the things really started to go off kilter when he had that match. I want to say it was a hell in a cell with Seth Rollins and it was very clownish. And then he whipped out that big, that, that big, you know, wacky sledgehammer type of deal. Yeah. Um, it just got real kooky. And uh, Ryan Clark is writing in, in fact, today an update. E-Wrestling News has an exclusive update on Bray Wyatt and WWE, which appears to be uh, a little bit more than previously reported. Originally, it was released that it was a physical issue that was keeping Bray on the sidelines. Now, according to a source close to the situation, Wyatt has been going through what is said as a mental break from wrestling. Um, what we do know is Bray battled COVID-19, and the belief is, is that was the illness. Um, it was in conjunction with some other mental health issues that was happening. Additionally, it was said that White returned to the WWE at Extreme Rules pay-per-view October 8th, 2022. Uh, he expressed concern over simply saying the words, I'm here, and then the show came to a close. He had a problem with that. Then there was a debate that took place between Wyatt and several writers at that time, uh, whether he should say more on the microphone. During a post-WWE Extreme Rules 2022 edition of Raw, Wyatt appeared in front of live fans for the first time since July of 2021. Uh, due to the sensitive nature of the matter, WWE uh, is giving Bray as much time as he needs. One source even would go as far as saying uh, Wyatt seemed a bit out of it when they spoke to him over the last couple of months. We know he wasn't happy with creative for his character. As of right now, there's no timetable for Bray Wyatt to return to WWE. Once again, that article um, is the most up-to-date information. That's from Ryan Clark with E-Wrestling News. If, if that's the case, he's battling some mental health issues. Leave him alone. Let him work his stuff out, and you know, get get right, because that's what's most important. If, the, if that's the case, he needs to get right. More important than we need to see him on TV or in a match. That's secondary. He needs to live. He still needs to be his person to where he can function and be a productive member of society and live life. The wrestling secondary to that. So, I mean, if he's going through some mental health stuff, leave the man be. Let him do his thing. Hopefully, I, I would assume he's talking to somebody. Let him get right. And then go the route of, hey, you want to wrestle again? Or, nope, you're not interested? Cool. We get it. Things are different for you now. You're in a different place. That's how I personally think that part should be handled. Because at the end of the day, there's still people. And that's why yeah. it gets forgotten. And not just in the wrestling world, in the football, baseball, basketball, hockey, boxing, whatever world. Yeah, we watch them Monday night, Tuesday night, whatever night it is on TV. But after the cameras are off, they're just like me and you. Really, they got a family to go home to. You know, they they got bills just like me and you got. You know, they're, they're regular people. So let's not lose sight of that. If he's dealing with something, the number one is he's got to get himself right. Get some help, 
do whatever he's got to do so he can live. Yeah, I think that Bray definitely, I mean, and I don't know what his financial situation is, so I don't know if, if he's dependent on coming back because he needs that paycheck or if it's more of a situation of he's doing it for the love of the game. And if that's the case, then yeah, definitely go ahead and get, uh, get the help you need and then come back when you're good and ready. Because right now there's no, there's no point. There's no point on coming back if you're not really ready to go. And it can't help him. If he's going through whatever he's going through, I, I mean, I don't know what specific, mental health problem he's had. But if he's going through something and he puts out, has a match and people like you and I are on Twitter or have a podcast or whatever it is, or even important people, not like me and you, like, you know, fight full or, or whatever it be, or come up like, oh, you know, Ray White's gimmick's not over anymore. His matches aren't what they used to be. No, are they gonna let him go? Or are they not? That's got to weigh on somebody's mental health as well. Oh, sure. If he's if he's reading these right? things so, online, absolutely, that would get to me. It it has to. So let's just let that go. Let's sleep and dogs lie on that. Let him get right, and hopefully he comes back. Because you know we all enjoyed watching him wrestle. Right? It's just he hasn't been the same. No, he hasn't been the same. But the thing is, when he was Bray Wyatt, you know, Swamp Cult Leader, that was over like Rover. It that was. That was amazing. Everybody loved it. So, But he pretty much started his career right at the top with the character. Yeah. Well, how many times is, can talent replicate that? A lot of times it doesn't. So maybe it's just, yeah, he... He was what he was. He's never going to get back to it. He's still serviceable. He's still a good wrestler. And that's something that gets forgotten because we all think about, ah, yes, it's just not what he was. That's kind of hard to hold against the guy, too. To compare himself to a different version of himself at a younger time when the industry was different, when fans were different. No, I, I agree completely. I mean, it's difficult already in wrestling, but things change, interests change, fads change. Um, you can't really – everything is so fluid in wrestling that to say, well, you weren't over the way you were six months ago. Well, what else is happening in the company right now? What other storylines are going on? Am, am I the center storyline right now, or am I a second or a third storyline? Am I getting as much TV time? There's a lot of things you got to look at. When he was, you know, with the Wyatt family, man, they were getting a ton of TV time. They had specific promos that they they looked really great. Um, I do know there was a drawback. Uh, I think there's a match at Randy Orton in this condemned house that seemed a little weird. But um, other than that, I would definitely say the Swamp character, Bray Wyatt, definitely got over with audiences. Speaking of getting over with audiences... Uh, Wrestling Inc. is writing, the ongoing Bloodline saga is a very rare instance in pro wrestling where things just creatively just fall into place and fans are very happy. As fans and wrestlers alike, we like to sing the praises of the twists and turns of a good storyline. Now, WWE has had massive rating success and attendance at live events for anything involving the Bloodline. Furthermore, the movement of Solo Sokoa 
did the unthinkable when he turned on his own brother, Jimmy Uso. Uh, this, this segment itself gathered 40 million views on social media, making it the most socially watched segment of 2023 in WWE. And in addition to that, Meltzer reported that the overnight ratings came in and they had almost 3 million viewers grand total after all everything had been settled for SmackDown. It had the it was the celebration of Roman Reigns 1000th day as Reign as WWE champion. It almost garnered 3 million. Uh, right now, I, I don't know where you go after the bloodline thing ends because you know they have to be towards the tail end of the storyline. But people keep tuning in and watching this. Do you think that fans are going to become a little disenchanted with WWE because anything after this is never, maybe in their minds, going to live up to what the bloodline did? So do you think in some ways putting all your eggs in one basket as far as SmackDown goes, you kind of pigeonhole yourself in some ways? Your next champion... Whoever gets the belt off of Roman, done. Because that whole storyline, Roman is your champion, everything is, is so over. How do you follow that up? How are you, how are you going to one-up that? I don't think you can. I mean, you're going to be hurt. And you know exactly how who I think should get the belt next. You think Cody should definitely get 100%. But, I mean... It, it's not going to go well. Whoever gets your belt next, and this is just kind of popped into my head after you brought that great point up. Your next champion needs to be a um, short-term. What's the word to use, Mike? Um, transitional? Transitional champion. Thank you. That's what it needs to be because they're doomed. Because right now it is so hot. Like red hot to follow this up, it's it's damn near impossible. And I'll go as far as say this this program and this faction and the way it's shaken out has been so good, it's almost hurt them. Now 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 hear me out before you think I've lost my mind again. Because it's so high now, it's so red hot. The next people come in are most likely not going to live up to the hype. So you're probably going to see ratings dip a little bit because it's not going to be as entertaining. Right? Because they got the gradual up, 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 3 million views. Or, uh, sorry, 3 million uh, viewers. That's ridiculous. Those are amazing numbers. It's been a very long time since we've seen stuff like that. If we've ever seen that, to be quite honest with you, 3 million people tuning in, 40 million views for Sokoa turning on um, Jimmy. That's a lot. Think about that, Mike. 40 million. That's a lot. I don't know how many people are in Canada. There might not be that many people in Canada. 40 million. Right, so I mean, that's crazy. So you know the next go on after this is going to be a letdown from where they are now. So you're actually going to hurt your product a little bit because you're so red hot. You're going to see a dip. You're going to see a dip in ratings after that. Unfortunately, that's why whoever is going to be your champion 
needs to be basically a sacrificial champion. Give give him the belt for a little tiny bit, and then be done with him. You're on mute. Would you would you quit doing that? Sorry. God. You should have given me control. I was just about to say you've got controls now. Now you can mute me whenever you want. Um, you're really good with your statistics as well. According to statistics, as of January first, twenty twenty three. Uh, Canada has an estimated population of 39,566,248. So more people, there's been more views of that clip yes. than there is people in the whole country of Canada. This is correct. So, so I mean, wrap your head around that. That's hard. That That's a definitely a difficult thing. Um, How do you follow that up? That's the well, thing. You can't keep elevating because you can only go so far. And you, you got to feel bad for whoever's following this up. Well, wouldn't you say that's the same whenever you have, when you, when you book a card, right? You have a great match, but then after a great match, you almost have to have a, kind of a, I don't want to say a popcorn match, but a match to kind of let everybody just kind of calm down cleanse the palate if you will before you bring in another match that's going to be huge i remember jericho made a comment he said you know when i um was wrestling triple h for i think it was the, the world heavyweight championship and the wwf championship at that time he said it didn't matter we weren't the main event no one cared it was rock hogan yeah he said we couldn't keep up with something like that. So what do you do? Um, I don't know. That's why people get paid more money than than I get paid to to try to put this stuff together. It's uh, it's it's very it's going to be very difficult. But if they came up with this, I'm quite sure they can come up with something else. Um, did they come up with this? Or did they write this? Maybe they just fell into happen? it. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I, I don't think really, a lot of it was organic. It could be. It very well could be. Right? Because you, you got to think some of the, the most over things we've seen in the last eight or ten years were organic. Kofi Kingston. Very much so. Right? Uh, yes. 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 Uh, Brian Danielson, yes. Brian Danielson. Very organic. Mm-hmm. Right? Sami Zayn in, in with the bloodline. Very organic. There is nobody... Is gonna look at you honestly and be like, "Oh yeah, I knew that was gonna happen when you put Sami Zayn in." Anybody tells you that, tell them to go to hell. They're lying. They can go fill their boots, right? They can fill their boots. That's just nonsense. Complete fooey. Um, something else that I think is really interesting here. So Seth Rollins, as we know, is the the inaugural, if you want to even use that phrase world heavyweight champion now and we found out the, the the iteration or how this all came about with the current championship that they have for monday night raw it was supposed to be paying homage to the big gold right which was the wcw championship at that time and then obviously changed over to the wwe world heavyweight championship and then they wanted to put a little bit of a modern day spin on it. So they put the WWE logo in the middle of it. So if you look at the belt and you look at pictures, you're going to see 
if you take that off, you can see where definitely they got the the idea for designing the belt anyway, regardless. Seth Rollins is the champion. I think it was a good decision to put Seth as the as the first champion. Had a great match um, with AJ Styles to win it in Saudi Arabia. I thought that was great. And then Seth had another great match this past week against Damian Priest. And I'm telling you, you and I have talked about this. Damian Priest is going to be the next big, huge megastar in WWE. Huge. He's got the look, the voice, the presence, all of this kind of stuff. Well, he lost to Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw. However, he may have won more, even though he lost the match. Evidently, fans were very much on his side when the cameras went off the air. He actually shook the hand of Seth Rollins, which definitely shows a sign of mutual respect. But on Tuesday, not everybody has that same mutual respect for Seth Rollins, as it's been teased that Braun Breaker is going to be making his way up to the main roster. And he says, I'm going to start holding people accountable. And there is an indication that that means that his first feud is going to be with Seth Rollins. Let me ask you a question. He didn't get called up when they called up 19 other people. He didn't get called up when the second wave came up. Now, Braun Breaker is expected to be coming up. And it looks like it's going to be to Monday Night Raw. Do you think you do what you did with, with Brock Lesnar? Brock was super young when they put the belt on him. I remember he ran through everybody. Do you think you do that with a Braun Breaker? Do you think you shock the world in a match with Seth Rollins after a big buildup and, and Braun is your is your guy moving forward? Why not? Let's do it. Couldn't hurt. It's not a terrible idea. Okay, so if they do it, it doesn't get over. All right, we can move on. But you got to give it a try. You know, you got to give new people a chance to hold the title, to be well, the head of the table, for lack of better words. You need to. You can't just keep going back to the well. You're seeing, you know, three, four, five uh, wrestlers, right? Braun Breaker, young fella, you know, good wrestler, you know, good physique. He's got what you want. Doesn't mean he's going to get over, but he's got what you want. Right? Why not give him a chance? you got to give him a chance at a certain point. Everybody's got to get somewhat of a chance. He's been an absolute unit in NXT. So you, you should, in theory, bring him up and give him a chance on the main roster. You've just more or less created this new title. Why not? He'll have a good match with Seth. That's a no-brainer. You know that's going to be a fantastic match. Seth has a great match with everybody. Now, can he keep that going? He's having great matches in NXT with a lot of talent. So I figured, why not give him a chance? If it doesn't work out, you can take the belt off him. It's not like he, you've got to keep the belt on him for two years or three years or something like that. Give him a chance. If it doesn't work out, cool. Put the belt back on Seth. There, there are routes you can go. It's worth a try. Are we, are we seeing, because there's so many people that are being called up, you know, to the WWE roster now, and we're seeing such a, a changing of the guard. 
is this kind of what we had with the new generation? Do you think we're having that again where that happened in what? When was that? Like 93, 94, 95, where everything was a little rocky when it was like, okay, wait a minute, what's going on here? Do you think we're going through that transition? I think so. You know, I think how many people have been brought up now? 25, 30 people? Yeah. Uh, somewhere around there, anyhow. That's just rough numbers I'm throwing out. They've taken the majority of the talent from NXT. Uh, Hayes is still down there. Um, of course, that's the only name that pops in my head that's still down there. But, you know, I mean, they, they've brought the bulk of the talent up. But they didn't really have a choice. No. Because for the last five years, eight years, it's just been rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. For the most part, the same people over and over. And that just gets tired. It gets old. The talent gets old. You, you need to move on. They built this talent up in NXT. You know, they've learned from Shawn Michaels and Triple H. You know, you got to give them a chance. Because sooner or later, you're just going to run out of people to have on your main roster if you don't bring up new talent. No, I agree with you on that one. Um, want to get your your quick thoughts. I'm not going to spend much time on this here, but we talked about this. You and I, I don't know if you and I personally did, but the Pat McAfee situation where Pat McAfee has done a lot of great things since he's retired from the NFL. But the one thing he recently did was he showed a screenshot from, I guess, a fan who took a picture at the empty seats for double or nothing. Did we talk about this? Yes, I, it's still sticking in my crawl. The way he was kind of just looking down on AEW, and there were some other fans who also said, "Hey, take a look at this," and they showed some WWE Raw uh, shows that had empty seats, and somebody actually even uh, posted a picture of a wrestle was it SummerSlam or WrestleMania? No, SummerSlam, um, where they had a whole bunch of seats tarped off, and um, I don't know. I feel like in a lot of ways, even though they say fans are the ones who make the whole us versus them type of deal, I also feel like that goes on behind the scenes as well to some degree. Would you agree? Of course it does. It has to. You had to be a company, man. Especially if you're Pat McAfee, who's more of a talker than he is a wrestler. He's good in the ring, but he's he's predominantly a commentator. Yes. You know, so... Yeah, of course he's going to have something to say. They, you have to, though, is the thing. If you're, because, you know, whether they want to get there and say we're really in a competition, you know, this is the new Monday Night Wars, blah, blah, blah. No, I don't think it's the new Monday Night Wars, but they are a competition to each other. If WWE is head and shoulders above AEW. I know that pains you to hear me say, pains me to say it, but it's true. You gotta face facts, but of course he's gonna. He has to because it makes them look bad. He has what you want. You want them to look bad, and he wants WWE to look good because that's his boss, that's his company, that's his paycheck. So I don't have an issue with it. It is, it is what it is. Not a big deal to me. And that look was terrible yeah. for AEW. You got one of your Four pay-per-views that you roll out a year, 
and you have an empty stadium. Well, the the here's one thing I tweeted this out. They said the average ticket price in American dollars was ninety two dollars for the average ticket. I tweeted that. I don't know if I tagged you in that, but I tweeted that because I thought that that was a very interesting statistic. Because you and I have talked about this. The problem we feel that AEW has, and maybe they they don't control that. I mean, they rent the building. Maybe the building, I mean, maybe they have to set the prices of the tickets so they at least recoup something. So they don't, you know what I mean, go in the in the negatives on the event itself. But it was $92. I'm trying to find the exact tweet that I sent out. But it was like 92 bucks. And I know that you specifically had mentioned in Canada that when you were, you know, going to a show or even looking up what other shows you might be interested in going as it pertains to AEW, it was just way too expensive to go as opposed to when you went to a WWE house show and you said that was, you said that was a lot better. I think the, the house show I went to, it was not expensive. It's like 55 or $60 a seat. It was very reasonable. And where did you sit? Did you feel like you sat in a good area? We were lower bowl. Okay. Very good seats. Uh, Here is my tweet. I guess I retweeted it. AEW double or nothing. Um, It grossed 964,349 in total revenue. Um, 10,478 tickets were sold. And the average price to get into the building was $92.04. And it was held on 528 at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Now, you're in Las Vegas. Let's be real honest here. Wrestling's probably not going to be the number one thing you're thinking about. Casinos, bars, restaurants, some of these great shows that they put on. Comedy shows are down there. Big headliners. 92 bucks for the average ticket. Um, you're not gonna, you're going into a town that's the entertainment capital of the world, so you're competing already with the in, in the whole strip. Yep. You're gonna have to do something that's gonna be, hey, you know what? Come to our show. You know, we're gonna have a lower rate of tickets, we're gonna fill these things up. We don't want Pat McAfee to take any shots at us but 92 dollars like i'm myself am, am surprised that's cheap well linda and i like to go to Vegas. we haven't been since covid but linda and i go and the last time we went was the christmas right before covid hit and we went to see uh terry fader at the mirage on christmas day nice i think we paid 130 i think who is this terry fader Ventriloquist guy. He was uh he won America's Got Talent or something. Fantastic show. Okay. It, it was amazing. I was at one thirty a seat for that or one twenty something they were not cheap seats. Right. Right? I mean it's a small intimate theater, but still you're you're paying dear. So for ninety two bucks, well, we would have went to see AEW. I'm not sure if I could have pulled that off on Christmas Day. That probably wouldn't have flown over well. I might have to go by myself. But nonetheless, for that, because that's a cheap, in Vegas, that's cheap. 
knights or box of seat. We looked into going to see the knights, the Vegas Golden Knights, mm -hmm. on the same trip. And tickets for that were just obnoxious. Really? I think it was the second bowl. So they were okay seats, not great, but they were okay. I want to say they were three fifty or four hundred American each. That's a lot of money. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that's insane. Or oh, they were ridiculously expensive. They were so expensive we considered getting an Uber to Henderson, which is next town over, to go see an American League team, and it would have been cheaper. So just to smarten everybody up here, the Golden Knights, if they're not familiar with them, explained what they are. Uh, they're an NHL team. They're an Las NHL. Vegas is an NHL team. Perfect. They're actually in the Stanley Cup Finals right now. Who are they against right now? Florida Panthers. Nice. Up two games to nothing. Um, a couple things here, and then we'll we'll put a bow tie on this. But I did a couple of polls recently, and I wanted to get people's opinions on some things. So I said, "Who has what promotion has the best tag team champions right now?" And I put NWA, I put WWE, I put Impact, and I put AEW. I think it's pretty much covering all the, the, the main ones. So La Rebellion got 3.4%. KO and Sammy got 13.8%. ABC um, got 17.2%. And FTR got 65.5%. I'll be honest with you, a little surprised in that. Little surprise. I personally would have went KO and Sammy. I would agree with that. Uh, FTR damn good. They're they are. very, very good. Sixty-five percent of the votes. Yeah, um I also said who do you think has the best women's world champion right now? I put NWA, WWE, AEW, and Impact. So Camille Brickhouse. At 5.9%. By the way, she just celebrated her two-year reign as NWA World's uh, female champion. She is get, she's so good. I remember when she had a feud when uh, AEW was down in Daly's place with um, the professor, uh, Serena, Serena Deeb. Gosh, that was – and I've tweeted, where's Serena Deeb? Um, but WWE, Asuka, and uh, – Rhea Ripley, they're the two champions. They got 41.2% of the votes. AEW's Tony Storm got 35.3%, and Deanna Peraza got 17.6%. So Tony Storm um, got beat by Asuka and Rhea Ripley as being the best women's champions currently right now. Um, Asuka's good. Tony Storm's good too, though. She is, and I should have put I at the when I created this Oscar wasn't the the champion, but you're right. I should have put that in there. Um, and then I went ahead and I said, which company has the best world heavyweight champion? I put NWA with Tyrus, WWE with Roman Reigns, uh, AEW with MJF, and then Steve Macklin for Impact. Uh, do you want to take a guess on who won that one? Tyrus. No, am I wrong? Are you are you playing with my balls here? What are you what are you doing? Tyrus. Wish I was. Um, Roman no. had to win. Roman got thirty seven point five percent of the votes. MJF 
won with 56.3% of the votes. Wow. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong. What Macklin and Tyrus get? Uh, Macklin got 3.1%, and so did Tyrus, 3.1%. That's criminal. It is criminal because, first of all, um, Macklin, in my opinion, is right up there. If you put – okay, let's let's throw this out here. If you put Tyrus, Roman Reigns, MJF, and Steve Macklin, the four champions of the four main shows, and no disrespect to Seth Rollins, but if you put those four guys in there, right – um, who do you have come out on top? Who do I want to come out on top or who's coming out on top? Those are two different things. Okay. First of all, who do you want? You personally, MJF. who do you think would Roman depends on who's booking it? Well, of course that's always the case, but I, I, I love Steve probably be Roman. I, hey, I love Steve Macklin too. I'm just thinking personally, I like MJF a little bit better than Macklin. I'm still learning Macklin, so I'm still I'm still developing that there. And for regards to who's booking, unfortunately impact's just not as important. No, sorry, but it's just true. It's it's uh, I'm really enjoying now that I'm getting more into impact wrestling. We're really? slowly becoming an impact podcast, I think. We are? We are. We're we're adding some in there. And see, here's the thing. I really wanted to be able to talk about um the most recent event that happened over in Japan. I wanted to talk about that. Didn't have a chance to. Um I also want to talk about the NWA Crockett Cup. Unfortunately, I never got a chance to actually sit down and watch that. But I will say um, I'm trying to be more diverse with my knowledge. So um, let's see here. Very interesting. So if uh, you haven't gotten a chance to see Dominion yet, have you? No. Okay. Dominion is, from everything that I've heard, Dominion was a really good pay-per-view. Really good pay-per-view. Um, the Crockett Cup, I don't know much about the Crockett Cup as far as the details. I'm very interested in wanting to, to see that. I'm going to probably end up having to watch that on demand as well. And then finally, New Japan is also, let me pull this up here. Please feel free to, to chat while I'm looking this up. Real much shot to him in a room by myself. Really? I can holler out the window. See how that goes at twelve oh three. Zero chance she yells at me. Oh my gosh. Um Alright. Here we go. Here we go. I think this is gonna be good. Um the G one climax. You said climax. <laughs> Yeah, I did. The G1 Climax for New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling is going to run July 15th through August the 13th. And so obviously there's going to be, it's a tour, which means they're going to hit different uh, main buildings in Japan. Um, 
Let's see who notably is going to be in this. Let's see. I know they got the names they listed. There's a ton of different cities they they listed. Let me see if I can find out who the participants are because you don't have New Japan Global, do you? No. Okay. Would you consider getting New Japan Global? Sure. I wouldn't Good. be opposed to that. It's good. Uh, I love what Kevin Kelly does on it. Uh, he does the American uh, broadcasting for that. So let me see here. So the G1 Climax is, is going to be good because you're going to know a lot of people that are in here. So obviously we're going to start off with uh, Okada, Naito, Sonata, Will Ospreay, Hiroshi Tanahashi, David Finley, Shoto Yamura, Shingo Takagi, um, tomorrow, Ishii, Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa, Galeo, which obviously all those guys have been on AEW. Um, Gato is going to be on there. Uh, Yoshihashi, Kenta, uh, Zack Saber Jr., who is also a champion as well. I believe he's a television champion. Uh, Eddie Kingston, El Fantasmo is going to be in there. Evil, Chase Owens, Jeff Cobb is going to be there. Uh, let's see who else. Alex Coughlin's going to be in there. <laughs> that would be all the names that you'd be familiar with. I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be great. And we're going to talk about that too. So we're going to see how that plays out. We'll be talking about it this summer. Once again, it's going to be the G1 Climax. Can't believe you made a joke about Climax. <laughs> you said it again. I did. I didn't say it again. You know there's a town called Climax in a state somewhere? You mean in my country? Well, you own the states? I'm not saying that, but it's my country. Yes, in the United States, there's a town called Climax. Okay. USA City. I'm looking this up right now. City Climax. We'll show you talking here. Uh, here's a complete list of lewd-sounding town names in the United States. Climax, okay. Georgia. Um, Humplelips is in the state of Washington. Wanker Connors. Uh, Rough and Ready is in California. Sugar Bunker is in Nevada. Virgin is one three-way is in new mexico hooker is in oklahoma wiener not weiner wiener is in mississippi uh butts is in georgia it's a good name for a town sugar tit is south carolina climax is north carolina oh it says there's one in georgia as well um there in new england is blue ball village also, in Jersey, is called Swallow Hill. Um, there's, there's a place also on the East Coast called Ramtown. I would drive to a place called Ramtown if, if it was within like five or six hours for me just to get a picture, have dinner, spend the night, and drive back just to laugh. In the, the state of New York, there's Butternuts. There's uh, in Michigan, and there's Dick. There's a PP Township. 
PP Township in Ohio. Um, oh my! There is an intercourse, Pennsylvania. I wonder if that's closer to red. Uh, might be. Cummings is, uh, I believe that's North Dakota. Um, obviously, what it, what would Maine be? Uh, I don't know. Banger. Oh, Bangor. Oh, Bangor, yeah. Intercourse, Pennsylvania. I'm actually working on Intercourse. I'm looking up where that is. Intercourse, Pennsylvania. I have to look this up. How do you how do you logically tell people that that's oh there's a sign. So Intercourse, Pennsylvania, formerly known as Cross Keys, um, formed a note in the old tavern stand. It was founded in 1754. Uh, Intercourse, Pennsylvania, is an unincorporated community. Uh, it's in. Leacock Township, you can't make this up, in Lancaster <laughs> County in Pennsylvania. It's roughly 10 miles long or 16 kilometers. It's east of Lancaster, Pennsylvania on Route 340. If you're looking to get down and dirty, head on over to Intercourse, Pennsylvania. Um, I want to wrap up the show with... Uh, we probably should. <laughs> we, yeah, this needs, to, this needs to mercifully end. Um, do you know who the world's last virgin is? Pardon? The, wor- the world's, well, I shouldn't say only, uh, the world's oldest virgin. No. Okay. The world's or oldest virgin. Uh, let's see here. Oh, my God. She is 123, I want to say. There's nobody alive 120. Is she an alien? You need to get you okay. First of all, when this news breaks, I don't give a shit if there are alien spaceships above my house and they're zapping trees. I'm calling you. You'll be the yeah. first person I call. Because you know why? Because we're packing up the little one and we're heading to Canada. No so problem. You're... Come on up, buddy. All right, I so here. Here's the story. The world's oldest virgin is hopeful she'll find love at age 123. I'm going to read you this really quickly before we say goodbye. Meet Mrs. Therese, and I cannot even say her last name, Nakanjumbamba. She's 123 years old. She is the oldest virgin known in the world. She lives in Kenya. And she adamantly believes she will find a man to love her, regardless of her age. Um, she shared her story because she does not want to pass on without having a love. Uh, yes, of course, I'm a virgin, she stated. I would think of it during my era, but I couldn't, I couldn't take myself to marrying a husband. Uh, her culture as a child forbid her and other girls from associating with boys for when she was younger, she followed the rules. She had no interest in getting married or being in love with anyone. Her parents uh, attempted to change her mind. However, she preferred to stay single. 
Well, let's see what else to say. I didn't want to engage with men, she would go on to say. I had a strong fear of men that prevented me from any potential relationships during my youth. I would see men coming to my town, no pun intended, but I never developed love for anyone. Usually men would propose um, perspective things to potential wives. Once the parents approve of the marriage, uh, they're allowed to have their nuptials and then engage in coitus-like activity. In our time, we would spend a lot of time weaving and doing other feminine work, the 123-year-old explained. We had to sit inside with our parents' houses and help our mothers do domestic work while learning from them how to treat a man well. Now, despite having all of the knowledge of what a wife would be, including how to take care of the household and a man and children, she declined all of her marriage proposals. Um, I'm not going to read the whole article, but at 123, she's she's looking to knock some boots. Now, let me ask you a question. If someone, if, if you were single and this was another lifetime and someone, she came up to you and said, you know what? I'm really into you, Mr. Butt. Would you help me achieve this goal? What would you say? Send to the link. You'll see a picture of her. What would you say? Would you... Would you help this woman achieve this goal before she dies? I mean, the ball will take one for the team. Let's be honest. She's 123. Okay, before she before she she kicks off, as you would say. Do you think she's going to find it? She hasn't found it in, in 123 years. What do you think her prospects are? I hope she does. Everybody, everybody deserves a bit of. A leg over at least once before they kick off, I guess. So, are you seeing the picture? Um, yeah, yeah, I looked. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I closed it. Um, I had a feeling you'd probably do that. So she's you know, 123. Sometimes, sometimes you gotta take one for the team, Michael. Yeah, you, you get yourself a, a ball of liquid courage. You would do that seriously if you were a single guy and and somebody said, know, "Hey, Mike. look." I have no idea. I will I'm will all of my worldly possessions. I have five hundred thousand dollars, let's say Canadian, which is like two bucks American. Um, but I'll give you all this. And the only request is that you give me the thunder from down under. Do you For think five hundred K? Yep. Five hundred K. That I'll person right there, five hundred K. 500k is 500k, brother. I'm not saying pay off the house. Yes, there's a lot of things you can do. Yeah, but but hold on, hold on. Everything has to occur, if you know what I mean. She has to. You have to. That's her problem. I'm I'm there for a semi decent time. Not a lot, definitely you, not a long time. You do you think you do you think you would be able to? Oh shit, I don't know. Ah, girl. I don't know. Oh my god. Interesting question. It is. What a way to end the show. Guys, we are so grateful that you continue to listen to this entire show. We and just we wonder literally... why you keep listening. 
We do. But here's the funny thing. We would like to know where you are listening to this show. You can either send me a direct message at the Mike Freeland and just tell me where. Are, are you are you sending a message from Lubers, Utah? Um, are you sending me something from Beaver City? Are you sending me something from Drywood or Hooker or Wiener or Sweet Lips or Big Boned? Where are you sending? Where where are you listening to our show? Are you sitting there in your cottage in Blue Ball Village? Maybe you're sitting by the seaside in Swallow Hill. Maybe you're actually engaging in intercourse in intercourse, Pennsylvania. Or maybe you're just having a good time in Butternuts, New York. Or you could just be spreading eagle up in Wisconsin. Wherever you may be listening to the show, we just want to say thank you so very much. Um, we appreciate this once again. We are a podcast that talks about wrestling, but we also talk about other things as well. AE or IE, the Helen Keller situation, the 123-year-old virgin. But we also talked about the NWA. We talked about Impact Wrestling. We talked about WWE. We talked about AEW. We gave you our views, our thoughts, our opinions. Please give us your thoughts as well. You think it would be difficult to hold your bladder if you were in PP Township, Ohio? Or maybe if you were in Effingham, maybe it might be a little bit easier there. Well, wherever you're listening to us, whether it's Beaver City or Balltown, or maybe even Cooter, Missouri, we'd like to hear from you. For everybody here at the Front Row Material brand, for my executive producer, The Rit. Which, once again, if you're enjoying podcasts, listen to his podcast. It's called The Pesky Podcast. It's a baseball podcast all about the Boston Red Sox. Guys, the boys of summer are back and in full swing. Catch all the podcast action of everything happening in the American League East with The Rit, who covers everything about the Boston Red Sox. He also has a panel that's going to be on there as well. Ladies Night Out is a great, great installment on the podcast. But if you're just enjoying baseball, Go ahead and listen to them. Once again, it's the Pesky Podcast that's available not only on iTunes, but anywhere else fine podcasts are made available. You can also follow them at the Pesky Podcast on Twitter as well. For the butt, I am Mike Freeland. It's been so much fun. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Front Row Material Brand. My name is Mike Freeland, and if you're looking for an exciting wrestling podcast to add to your library, then look no further than the Front Row Material Brand. Don't miss it. It's the Front Row Material Brand brought to you by the MLW Radio Network.